and welcome to another episode of Over Drinkers, the Story Screen podcast where you get to listen to me, your favorite person in the world, your best friend, the guy that you want to buy all the birthday gifts, Mike Burge. Uh, you get to listen to me talk about a bunch of movies with a bunch of people, but specifically in each episode, I get to talk to a single person, sometimes two, sometimes three, but in this case, single person, both in uh, actuality and relationship status, correct? Yes. Thank you for that. Yes. Well, well, they're letting me, I'm letting them know that you're available. Oh, thank you. Yes, I am available. <laughs> that was so mean. I'm sorry. Um, I am, of course, today joined by uh, Rhea Banerjee. Hello. Uh, of Story Screen fame. She has written a bunch of amazing articles for our website. Currently is working on a bunch more. She's also been on the uh, Cathode Ray cast hosted by Bernadette Gorman-White for um, last year's Emmys. That's correct. Correct. Yep. Which was a lot of fun. We kind of just gushed over Handmaid's Tale and... Basically, yes. Yeah, that's pretty much what we did. I and think, I yeah. think there was another big one. Uh, the, 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 the... Uh, what was it? What's her name? Um, great way to start off the I episode. <laughs> we're already drunk. We're, yeah, well, we're, get, we're getting there already. And she was also famously on the uh, uh, Casino Royale podcast uh-huh. of Overdrinkers, which is uh, heavily hailed by our fan base as... The episode that went off the rails as far as <laughs> intoxication. Still a great episode. Definitely check it out. Right around the forty-five minute mark, you're gonna you're gonna this is where we lose the thread. notice a really big difference in flair. Um, and uh, today on Overdrinkers, as always, uh, we are partaking of a themed beverage. Um, and today, my lovely viewer or listener, uh, we are talking about Mamma Mia. And the jukebox musical, the idea of the jukebox musical, and specifically also Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, the sequel that was just released a couple weeks ago. The sequel that you never knew you needed. Yes, uh, to the 2008 um, ABBA musical film adaptation. Right. Uh, And so, of course, we are partaking of mojitos, which, if you don't know, is uh, white rum, simple syrup, lime juice, some club soda, and mint. Muddle that mint, pour it over some ice, get some club soda on top of there, and you got some mojitos. So, Rhea, thank you so much for joining me. Cheers to you. Oh, my God. (laughs) Mojitos are, we were talking about when I was mixing, I was like, you don't really get a chance to drink mojitos too often if you live in this area. It's not a thing that would occur to me to order anywhere. Right, because most places don't have mint, and it also is a very kind of... uh, any as a bartender myself any Mm -hmm. drink that involves muddling and somebody orders it at like 10 30 p.m on a friday night i'm just kind of like is that really where you're going dude like if you want like something muddled or something fancy like just get a corona with a lime my familia just like do that right so here we are we're going to talk about mamma mia and mamma mia 2 and the concept of jukebox musicals which uh for any of our listeners who may be confused about what that term means, don't know at all, or just kind of need some specificity. Uh, Jukebox Musical is a adaptation of a story or anything like that. Could be original, could be a stage play, could be a film, could be a spot on James Corden's The Late Late Show, uh, (laughs) where you take popular music that has already pre-existed, and you create a story around it using that music as the kind of uh, uh, thematic push. 
doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with what's going on in the story, just kind of in the scene. And sometimes it can just be very loose as the first Mamma Mia kind of does use, which we will talk about. Right. Um, so that's what a jukebox musical is. We're going to kind of talk about other variations of jukebox musicals, uh, but more or less at length, we're going to kind of discuss uh, Mamma Mia and its uh, phenomenal sequel, yes. Mamma Mia 2, which me and Rhea... Rhea, lay down the groundwork for them. What, how, so how did we get here? We Why got are we here, here because I I saw a trailer for Mamma Mia two several months ago, and I was like, first of all, what they're making a sequel? What my first question was, why? My second question was, who fucking cares? I'm going to see it. So I hit up Mike and I say, Mamma Mia two is coming, and it looks like Cher is in it, and I love her. So we need to do something, even if it's just we go see it and then like geek out about it later so we went and saw it about a week ago Mm -hmm. and uh you know we went in there thinking all right it's a sequel we'd both revisited the original couple days earlier on our own time what are we getting into and i think by the end of it we were like that was delightful in a way that neither of us were expecting. It, it's a very well-made movie. Yeah. If I could I mean, pop in there. Yeah. Quick. I is, mean, I went in there thinking, oh, this is going to be fun. You know. We keep, literally you know, said like, out loud to one another as the credits started the roll. Here, here we, we go, go again. Because <laughs> exactly. we had just both recently watched the first one, which, yeah. to put it kindly, has not aged well. No, it hasn't. It hasn't aged well. Although I will say that the source material being the musical was already inherently kind of campy and not very modern, even as musicals go. I, I Actually, I guess it's more uh, fair for me to say uh, it hasn't aged as well as me. Yes, that is true. I would say that. 2008 yes. me saw Mamma Mia and was like, fun, and walked away. <laughs> and then in the past 10 years, me has uh, studied more film right. and understanding of cinematography, editing, sound design, ADR. And uh, watching it before going to see the new one, I was like, you were like this Whoa. movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Now I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. kind of trashy. Yeah. But halfway through, and and I will say the same thing happens in, uh, in the second one. Mm-hmm. Is you get about not even halfway through, maybe about twenty minutes in. In the first one, it's the uh, I heavily recommend that if you haven't seen the Mamma Mia movies to really get the most out of this episode, go watch them. Like Mamma Mia, the first one is like on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It's right there. Go grab yeah. it. And Mamma Mia two is in theaters. Is in theaters at the time of our recording. Like, it, and it's a good movie. I highly recommend it. If you if you trust me and you trust my movie instincts, which I know most of you don't, um, but it, it's a very fun time. But to get the most out of this, I highly recommend checking them out, man. It, it's like it's four hours of your life. They're musicals. They're fun. If you're not into musicals, fuck it. Why are you even listening to this? The thing about Thanks these for movies, the too, is that you will go in there not realizing how many ABBA songs you know. And then you'll be like, I know that one. I know that one. I know that one, too. I didn't know I knew that one, but I do. Mm -hmm. ABBA is everywhere. Well, that's that's good because that was was the point that I was getting to is about 20 minutes into the first ABBA. uh, The first ABBA. The first ABBA. ABBA Mia. ABBA Mia. (laughs) Uh, You get, um, it was the the dancing queen scene. Mm. No, no, no. 
It's the money, money scene. Oh, the money, money. Yes. Money, money, money scene happens. And Meryl Streep's execution of the lines, because they did a, they did some of the stuff on set that leads into bunch of fantasy a sequences. bunch of recorded stuff yeah. that was like kind of 80 yard in. And her delivery of the beginning of money, money, money is so like, it's supposed to be kind of like, uh, it's happening within the scene and it's just like conversational. And right. she's like, don't sit there. It's broken. But and she's not singing to any rhythm. And I was like, oh, they're, they're, they're getting fancy with this. Okay. I see. So there's, there's a little bit of technical stuff here that I kind of have to follow. Cause at first I'm like, ooh, Meryl, you want to, <laughs> you want to pitch it up a little bit? You're, yeah. you're singing now. It's time to sing. It's her right. first song. It's her breakout. Like that's where she goes. Yeah. And I realized that the movie. Is and it might seem like an obvious thing to state. Uh, the movie is uh, campy as fuck. Oh yeah, and I didn't remember that from watching it back in two thousand eight. Yeah, I was just a twenty two year old fuck boy, and I had I was I was I was, I was a very bad person when I was twenty two, and I watched Mamma Mia as a very bad person, and uh, I was just kind of like fun because you can't help be charmed by it. Yeah. Meryl Streep in the first film is such a revelation. I didn't know she could sing. Now, she's not like a singer singer. She's not somebody who came up in the musical theater tradition. I think this might have been the first movie where she sang, period. When did the Prairie Home Companion movie come out? Maybe before that. Maybe before. She sang it's a little right bit in, in that. Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, and then since then, she's gone on to do the Into the Woods Film adaptation, which was very ambitious singing. You want to go from, you know, point A to point Z, going from ABBA to Stephen Sondheim, you mm -hmm. know, which she did in, in the course of maybe five years or so. Yeah. Um, and she's great. She's a great singer, which, you know, of course she is. Of course she is. Yeah. She's good at everything. It's unfair. Um, by the way, tangent, I went to Vassar and her daughter was at Vassar a year below me. And we lived in the same dorm and one year. It was the end of my junior year. It was the end of Grace, Grace Gummer's sophomore year. Wait, and, her daughter, uh, like... Yeah. Her daughter-daughter? Grace like, Gummer, yes. Like her actor daughter? Her actor daughter. Well, the there's two. There's Mamie and there's Grace. Right. Which is the one that's on Mr. Robot? Is that Mamie? That might be Mamie, who I don't the know. The one who's like a, a really famous actress right yeah, now. Yeah, Mamie is. Oh, okay. Who I, I don't know Mamie, but I know. They have, I, uh, she has a, I know she has a different last name. Yeah, Gummer. Donald Gummer is Meryl's husband. I see. Okay. So maybe Gummer, Grace Gummer. Grace and I didn't know each other. We knew each other in the way that you know people, you brush your teeth at the dorm sink next to each other in the morning. She lived down the hall from me. There was a moment at the end of my junior year when everybody was moving out of the dorms and People's parents come and help them move out of the dorm. And I was just chilling in the hallway with a friend. And here comes Meryl Streep walking down the hallway to help Mamie move, Mamie, help Grace move out. And for a second, it's you just saw like, her? I did. And for a second, Capital H her. Yes, her. So me and my friend John, we were, we were like, we were like, wait a minute. Cause she also, she just, she's a mom. <laughs> That's she's exactly mom. what you would think when exactly. you see Meryl Streep in real yeah. life. You're like, Wait, what? Yeah. Is that her? She's, she's, a, she's a mom. She just looked like, I'm here. I'm helping my daughter move to the end of the school year. I'm going to help her move out of the dorm. But it's Meryl Streep. And we had this. And she, you know, she didn't like stop and say hi or anything. But she wasn't an asshole. She wasn't trying to be like, oh, I'm too good. You know, she was yeah, just there to move her daughter got, out. She's got whatever. acting and, to do. Like, yeah, she, she's, she's there busy. to move her daughter out. She's just walking by two kids who are hanging out in the hallway. And we were both like, we were in the middle of a conversation. She walked by. We stopped talking. 
We were like, we were like, is that her? And then she like disappears around the corner. And we were like, oh my God, that was Meryl Streep. And I'm like, Grace lives down there. Anyway, I don't know if Grace Gummer. <laughs> she walked Gummer around is... the corner and like fireworks went yeah, off exactly. behind you guys in slow motion. I don't know if Grace Gummer listens to these podcasts, but if she does, like, I'm sorry, we're, I'm sorry, I'm talking about you in the dorms right now. Oh shit, share it with her. Maybe she'll like it. Maybe she will. It's her mom's movies. Yeah. So Meryl Streep, she's amazing. And of course she can sing because of course she can. Of course, because she, she, can, she can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Meryl Streep cooked me a burger the other day. How was it? What do you mean? How was it? <laughs> it was perfect. It was perfect. It was the best burger <laughs> I've ever had. So she's, she's, she's amazing in the first Mamma Mia movie because she's just so charming. And it's so, um, you know, it's a side of her that maybe one isn't used to seeing because you think of Meryl Streep as, you know, serious capital A actress, been nominated for an Oscar, like, for every year over the last 15 years. Right. Very, very, very weird choice for her to do this. Yeah. And, and, and most of the people that are in this movie or people that wanted to be in it, the main reason that, like, Pierce Brosnan specifically signed on to this movie without knowing Without reading a script, without knowing what it was because about, Meryl or even the Street. genre, he was like, Meryl Streep's in there. Yeah. And, I th- and he's got this real James Bond mm. quote about it, where he's just like, Meryl Streep was that blonde-haired girl that I always lusted after, or something like that, like when I was in and acting school. And he gets school. to play across her. And he gets to play like this, the main in one. In this like, beautiful romantic movie. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. Sam. He's, yeah. he, 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 he's he the guy. He's the, the one. Right. He's the one who got away, the one who prompted her entire you know which by the way i know who the real father is too you do according to the writers of the films (gasps) who is the real father well dear listener you're gonna have to keep listening to find out we'll do it in the second part (laughs) when we start getting to that stuff yeah 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 so um yeah so she's she's amazing and then you've got christine baranski as one of her you know like college best friends who like they're still involved they were in a girl group together mm-hmm. um this is shameful because i can't remember the name of the actress who plays rosie the other friend mm-hmm. which i should oh not julie walters though. that is julie walters that's julie walters yeah christine baranski is tanya mm-hmm. the many married you know hot cougar older lady friend right right and then julie walters is rosie who's kind of like the tomboy weirdo you know cookbook writer Mm-hmm. goofy best friend and then you know so the story if you don't know is that once upon a time the three of them were in a girl group together donna is meryl streep tanya is christine baranski rosie is julie walters <laughs> you're really solidifying i know it i'm just i was just making <laughs> yeah, for those you. of you who haven't seen the movie and you should i was kind of taking it back i was like you mean julie walters yes like, who are you talking about yeah, yeah i couldn't i couldn't think of her name um which by the way real quick segue yeah tiniest of segues yeah. uh the actresses that they hire to play the younger versions of them in Mamma Mia is a fucking Academy Award winning. The woman who plays young Tanya. Get the fuck out of here. Channels Christine Baranski so Facial expressions. well. Facial expressions. How she talks. How she moves. Voice, what she it, does. Yeah, it's incredible. Jo- it's, it is It is beyond, incredible. That's yeah, a great word it for is it. It's beyond, it is beyond description. It's Oscar like, snub. Hashtag Oscar snub of 2018. <laughs> So, so they were in a girl group together, and then once upon a time, Donna had a, a a crazy summer where she hooked up with three guys, ended up pregnant, wasn't sure who the father was. It didn't end well with all three, or it just petered out with two of them, really crashed and burned with one of them. Didn't know who the father of this mystery baby was, decided to have it anyway. 
was living in Greece on this island, decided to stay, raise her daughter there. 20 years goes by. Daughter's getting married. Daughter wants to know who her dad is, reads her mom's diary, finds out about these three men and invites them to the wedding. And then wacky hijinks ensue. Yes. That is the plot of the first Mamma Mia movie. I almost said 30 years later because of when the movie came out. But yeah. the Mamma Mia musical was made in 1998. Mm-hmm. Ten years later in 2008, they make the movie. Mm-hmm. Ten years later from that, they make the sequel. Right. So, and I think that, you know, the plot doesn't really call for a lot of technology or anything. They're on an island in Greece somewhere. So, I think it's safe to assume that... Uh, the 2008 film takes place in 1998 and mm-hmm. the Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again sequel that takes place 10 years later in canon takes place in 2008. Yeah. I really don't think there's a lot going on there. Although. Well, this is obviously there is some in the stuff years in of Here like- We Go Again that the, that uh, specifically with uh, Colin Firth's character where we, where we cut away and we see him at a meeting. They have some technology there, maybe? Like, they have tablets There's instead. definitely a reference to- I'm interested in shit like that. Yeah. Like, what's there the is, timeline There's here? a reference to Tinder in the sequel. I don't know if you call it. Ah, there we go. That that blows it up. And maybe this- you, Do they you, say Tinder? No, but you so helpfully mentioned that I was single at the beginning of this, so I'll tell yeah, you- You're I've, welcome. I've, <laughs> So, just so you all know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I thought it was a good bit. No. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I'm available. No. So, that's what I meant. <laughs> yes. It's not that you're no, 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 single. No, 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 it's you're available. So, I've been, I've, I've, been, I've been doing the dating site thing, which is horrendous, but we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, don't. Yeah. No. But there's a moment where Cher's character, and maybe we'll wait to talk more about that, but she mentions uh-huh. something about... You know, she's there. She's uh, Donna's, the character's mother. She shows Meryl up. Meryl character. Yeah. She shows up because she decides she wants to embrace being a grandmother more. And then she finds out that Sophie, Donna's daughter, played by Amanda Seyfried, is pregnant. So she's going to be a great grandmother. And she just is a, a little toss off of a line that maybe if you're not looking for it, you won't catch where she says, great grandmother. Okay, I'm going to leave that out of the bio. You've you have okay, you yeah, you yeah, haven't yeah. been single in a while, so you don't know about this. Uh, I this, am uh, I am in like the best relationship the world. Yeah, has I know ever you're seen, you're so, yes, you know. and good. You should not. It's, uh, it is good. It is good that you're there. Back yeah. real quick. Yeah. Doing very good. No worries. Yeah. Okay. So you don't you don't know the hell of the Tinder bio, but it's no, a little. Never, it's it's a really little, funny too because uh, <laughs> me and D, uh, my lovely girlfriend Diana, who is probably listening right now. Hello, sweetie. I love you. Always buy milk. We always need milk here. <laughs> if you're driving and you're listening to this, if you just go grab some milk real quick, we always need milk. Tons of cereal, coffee. We always need it. Um, and I love you. Uh, lovely girl, Diane. Lovely girl. Lovely. Uh, we started dating um, at the time of this recording. It's over six years ago. And so, oh, yeah. So you missed all this crap. All this crap it's, is like. And you're lucky. I have, I, I jokingly had an OK Cupid, uh, like, fake mm-hmm. account uh, right before I met Diana where if you go on this thing and I'm just like, it's like really grungy. It's like James Gunn tweets level provocative. It's like, yeah. no, it's I tr- like to it's- decapitate people. Do you? <laughs> like, it's like stupid shit like that. Mm-hmm. It's like a my main picture was a picture of me in a bathtub filled with balloons. 
it's nonsense. I put way too much effort into it. You know, I was just like, I was just this 26 year old fuckhead. I was still a fuck boy back then. Too. I, was, I was a bad person. Uh, no, I missed that entire, that, that entire method of dating people. And well, I find it very suspicious as well. Right. Kind of like an old, how an old person like looks at like HD TVs. Like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about that thing over there. Is yeah. it, he's got a camera on it? Like, right. Mm, I don't, I don't, right. Mm. So to loop this back to the story of Mamma Mia, the first one. Oh, right. You've got a, she's a carefree woman. She's not looking for a serious relationship. And then she has these encounters with three different men, ends up pregnant. That changes the trajectory of her life in a good way. But she also had a love of her life. One of the three men that she was involved with that summer who was engaged to somebody else and didn't tell her. And that's why they broke up. And then he, which is the Pierce Brosnan character, which is the Pierce Brosnan character, Sam. And then he, you know, he, the story is he came back to get her. He was going to break off his engagement, but she already had decided to see somebody else. Cause she was trying to clear the palette as it were. And mm-hmm. he found out and he was like, Oh fuck, I blew that one. So he goes back, marries the woman that he was engaged to. Anyway, that's the backstory. And the premise of the first movie is, Sophie invites these three potential dads to the wedding, thinking that she will be able to know just instinctively on a gut level who is her biological father. It ends up not being that simple because there are aspects of all three of them that she has in common, and she grows close to all of them and, you know, doesn't have a strong feeling about this one is the guy, although you say you know, but we're going to wait for that. I do. Um, but she, you know, and then the, the story goes, but it's not important. It's not important. Well, that's the thing is the because story goes is that at the, the end, the, she the goes three, to get married. Hold on. Hold on. The oh, three, the, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. I think we're going to say the same thing. What you were saying right Mary. there yeah, yeah, is yeah. that the three men all have attributes of, of Sophie's personality that leads her to believe that she is their yeah. daughter. And the main thing is, is it's not about those three guys. No. It's about the fact that her mother, Donna, has all of the attributes of these three men, and that's why that's she why was attracted to exactly. them. And she gets it from her. From, yes. So and she so has all thing. of these things. She is her mother's is daughter. She's thinking she's going to invite these three men. She's Blowing the inception out. walls <laughs> off of Mamma Mia. She's think, so she thinks she's going to know on a gut level who her dad is, and that guy is the guy who's going to give her away at the wedding. Mm-hmm. She doesn't end up having a strong feeling about all three of them. Yeah, it's, there's no stroke of genius And then it's thing. confusing as fuck. And then she ends up kind of mad at her mom because she's like, what, the, you know, like, what the fuck? I didn't know who my dad she's was. She's very mad horrible. at her mom. Yeah. But, but also, then, like, Donna in the first one is, like, she's very real. And yeah. that makes, like, she's kind of a, f- like, fucking, like, I don't want to say she's a loser, but it's like she's so always wrapped up in making a decision about anything. Yeah. And I think that that plays very heavily into her character and especially into Sophie's character in the sequel where, you know, the plot of the second one is let's have a party. Right. Like that's what the movie's about. And she's stressing out over having a party party and opening up the hotel. Exactly. And I think it's, I think it's very important that like, yeah, you can have characters that, you idolize and that you really like and that you respect mm-hmm. like Donna and Sophie right. who are just like normal people who stress out about weird shit and right. won't stop talking about it. Like right. Donna needs her friends right. 
to like uh, uh, Tanya and Rosie to like show up and be like and be like we're what here the for fuck you. Yeah. What are you doing? Exactly. Like, stop stressing out about exactly. This. It's a wedding. You're supposed to be happy. Your daughter's getting married. Like, I mean, chill the, the, the fuck movies out. are all about family and friendship. Yes, and so and so so the thing that I love about the first movie is in the end, Sophie asks her mother to give her away, which is just like tugs at my heartstrings. I was raised by a single parent. Like that's like. Oh, and I was raised by a single parent and I was so I was raised by my dad because my mom passed away when I was 12. So it's a dual thing that movie tugs at my heartstrings because ah oh, that whole single parent only child experience and also like it's such a movie about the mom and daughter relationship and mm-hmm. like how that evolves and she's growing up and she's going to get married and the relationship is changing. And and that that's the shit that they use. That's the ammo they use in the second and the, one. Yeah. Like, and then the second one, it's, it's like the second one is like nakedly emotionally manipulative in that oh, regard. And it, it's, it, it, it it's, is like, it's, we are going to fuck with you. We're going to hit all the emotions. Like <laughs> right. all the characters of inside out will be hit. Yes. You will be afraid. Yes. You will be angry. You yes. will be sad. Exactly. So mom should be very joyful. Exactly. So the first movie ends with like, she doesn't know who her dad is at the wedding. All three of the dads show up and they all say, hey, it's cool. We don't even want to bother with a DNA test because we all love her. And and the three of them inexplicably become best friends. Sam and Harry and Bill. Of course they would. They're like best friends by the end of the movie. The three potential dads, three women who have slept with Donna. Yeah. (laughs) Of course they would. Exactly. So they're like, they're like, it's cool. We can all be her dad. And it's like the idea of like chosen family. And then, you know, the, the, the Tanya and Rosie are like the auntie figures. And like, you know, this idea that like, it's about how you define family and family is your biological relationships, but also who you choose to allow into your life. Ma familia, exactly. as we call it here at Story Screen. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then of course, Sam, who was the love of Donna's life, says, I still love you. I've loved you forever. I'm not with that woman I married. I came back for you and you didn't know it. And mm-hmm. I'm back again. Let's get married. Because that asshole bartender... Oh, yeah. That woman. like She no, was like. You're out of line. Yeah. You're out of line. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but she, but I she mean. Was, but it's like. She's she was, defending her. Yeah. She's no, defending I, her. I get she it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just more mad because like. Well, yeah. She, because like, she just thwarted that whole thing. Yeah. Like, you know. But, but they had a second chance and they got married. And they got, that's the thing is like Mama Mia, the first one ends with Sophie realizing maybe it's too soon for me to get married. Let's me and my fiance boyfriend whatever let's like experience the world or whatever and then get married later which they do i think that's what fantastic we in the second. So that's one of the best things about the first mama the, yeah. mia is that not only are these movies uh hold on hold on one second real quick and mm. just get it there's my feminist box hold on a second oh here comes the feminist box step up onto this thing here we go all right <laughs> okay so um Mamma Mia is a uh, feminist delight. Yes. And it is all about, uh, first off, the whole Donna, Meryl Streep's character having sex with three men in the span of three weeks and never doing any slut shaming or anything like no, that in the movie. No, it's just like she was Actually, just Actually, it's the opposite. It's, it's like, opposite. It's I like, was living free. I was living free. I was young. I I'm like, whatever. Cool. Yeah. It's great. And then she raises her daughter entirely by herself. Exactly. And uh, and her daughter also is like Sophie is the main character of both these movies. Yes, it's Meryl Streep playing her mom. But even in the stage play of Mamma Mia, it's Sophie's movie. She's on the cover. 
Yes. She is first build. Yes. That's what it is. Yes, because it's supposed to be the story about how she, it's a coming of age story. She is the connection between the now and what came before. And it's like what happens, where your family came from. Right. And how that impedes upon you and what you do. Right. And her entire character arc in the first one, which it is there, Mm -hmm. I think the movie is not. The movie, I've never seen the stage play live. I have not either. I'll be honest. And I'd love to now. Yeah. Um, but the movie is never really that concerned with, uh, the arc of her character and coming to the point where she has, uh, choice. Right. It, it, I mean, it's all about her learning. I mean, I guess now that I actually said it out loud and I'm thinking about it, it kind of is there, but I think that the first movie is so kind of whimsical in like what it's, it's, it's a silly movie. It is a silly The movie. first one is very silly. Because so the is whole, the second one. The whole idea of the first movie, because it was based but on I, the musical. Yeah, right, like she's like her getting to the end where she can make the choice. It's freedom of choice. Right. She exactly. gets to choose and she's finally able to go what I'm feeling, what feels natural. That's the choice I should make. Right. I shouldn't do what I think everybody wants me to do. Which she doesn't want to do throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Because her mother has impressed that on her. Right. And, but she also feels like my mother has impressed on me to not do what everybody thinks. So right. if I do that, Be is that free. me following my right. mom? Like, or is it and, me following and me? And she finally yeah. gets to the point at the end where she's, she looks at, um, sexy as fuck Dominic Cooper. Sky. Cooper, uh, Sky. And the, just the, goes, who is the most? Let's not get married. Perfect. Like, uh, in the first movie, especially the most annoyingly perfect boyfriend fiance supportive you know like i love you i love your mom i want to travel but you want to stay here and help your mom with the hotel so i'm gonna stay here with you when he says i gave up yes what i wanted to do to wait for you yes that's a dickhead thing to say yes it's very selfish and manipulative and, and, and manipulative, like, yeah, 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 yeah. But it doesn't feel manipulative coming from him because no, it feels because like, what he's, saying oh, no, he's is, just kind of like an idiot. And like, yeah, that's how like, he feels. He's like, I did that. And he's not trying to say that to make her feel bad. He's saying right. that to say, I did that because that is how much I that's love you. That's how much you. I love you. And like, he's saying it as a point of fact, not to, not to be like something. Yeah. Out of not it. to be like, and therefore, you and know, therefore yeah. you should be yeah. listening to me right now. Right. He's just like, he's just saying like, this is what he's you, laying this the cards on the table. Yeah. This is what you've done to me. You've changed my life. You've torpedoed my is, life. He is sexy. He is a phenomenal actor. Yes. He is very sexy, especially in that first one. He has like the, the, the abs on oh, this yeah. man. If we can just like trapes on this yeah. dance on, on Dominic Cooper's yeah. abs in 2008 for a second. Yeah. I didn't know that he was in this movie. Oh. In the first one. I didn't remember. <laughs> and you were just like, whoa. And, and I'm like, oh, fuck. They got Dominic Cooper in there. And I do some research in it. And like, he's on the cover. He's he's top build. Yeah. It's like, what yeah. the fuck are you yeah. doing? And then he shows up in the second one. And I'm yeah. like, oh, he's going to just be in like one scene. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, I remember. Sorry, when, honey. Can't be there. When we watched the second movie and we were sitting there and Dominic Cooper showed up on the screen, I heard you have a reaction. We were like, oh, <gasps> Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, and that's like kind of breaking into Mamma Mia 2 a little bit. It's yeah. like, uh, it it plays with your expectations. That's why Mamma Mia 2 is, is a very great time. Yes. Is Mamma Mia 2 a great movie? I need to see it again 
uh, my reaction to that question right now, if you put a gun to my head, is yes. Because when me and you saw it, mm-hmm. we went in, you know, not with low expectations, but with just Which like... kind of like, all right, they made a sequel. Let's see what this Moderate. Yeah. Moderate expectations. Like, I'll be honest. I went in there thinking, I know Cher is in this, and so I know I will at least enjoy the share part of course and then i enjoy and they fucking hold that over your head oh yeah everything is purposeful yes and all of the things that when you're watching them like that's mm, god that's it's a meticulously designed movie yeah and from a distance looking at the sequel to mama mia <laughs> and you haven't seen it yeah you're like, well, that's a cash grab. Ten years later, yeah, like what a movie more that they was have made for like fifty million dollars yeah. that made uh, like over half a million, half a half a billion dollars. Like, yeah, oh, that's a cash grab. Yeah, but this movie is stylistic. It works as a musical. It's got the same charm, flair, silliness mm-hmm. as the first one, but it's done with like this ingenuity. Right. That is nothing short of like jaw drop droppingly impressive. Yeah. It was, we were watching the movie and we went in moderate yes. expectations yes. as people that kind of dig the first one and got yeah. memories of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recently rewatched it and we were both kind of like, okay. Yeah, Here we 2008 go movie, sure. Here yeah. we go again. <laughs> we watch it. And I remember about 20, 25 minutes in, which I think is the money, money, money moment for me in the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, where I kind of looked at you and I was like, is, is this like really good? Yeah. And you were like, yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. And it's yeah. like, yeah, like this is like pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. Let's keep watching. And it keeps going. And like, I, I'm going to be completely honest here. The last half hour of this movie is fucking balls to the walls. Amazing. It was, it made me it almost gets, cry. It, it made me cry. Yeah. I am a weeper though. You are. See, it I, take- I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You, you told everybody that I'm, I'm painfully single. So here, my Thanks. bird cries well, everybody, like a baby. Everybody already knows that. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, I, I, I am a sensitive person beneath uh, a large armor of like cynicism and meanness and judgmentalness because that's how I protect myself. Classic armor. Yes, yeah. exactly. This was a movie that by we got to, by the time we got to the end, I was like, oh, my God, I'm trying not to cry in the theater at Mamma Mia 2 because what? It blew me away. Yeah. Man. Like, and everybody like Robbie and Jack, who <laughs> also host another podcast on the series and have been guests on the show before they host Hot Takes. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, they are like. Even Diana, I think, you know, yeah. to a certain extent, the, I'm like, it's one of the. It's one of the best movies I've seen this year. Yeah. It is. Uh, it, it's it's a spectacle. It's amazing. You know, is it great in the same way that something like, you know, Black Panther or Hereditary or like hmm. these great movies that I've seen this year that I'll probably make my top 10 list at the end of the year. Sure. Is it great in the same way as those? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. It's more like it's not that my expectations were like exceeded. Right. And I was like blown away by it because I've had some people ask me because everybody's weirded out by it. When I say like I did karaoke the other night and I sang SOS by ABBA. (gasps) And at the end of it, I was like, this has all been a plug for Mamma Mia 2. Go see it immediately. (laughs) And I said, and there was a bunch of my uh, people that I knew at the bar 
at where I was doing the karaoke and everybody afterwards was like, was that a joke? And you were like, no. And I was like, no, seriously, Mamma Mia 2, which I wish it was just called that. Yeah, not this What's here we this go again. here we go again? That's well, not even the, the line. Yeah, it's no, here, it's here I, I go, go again. again. I am. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this movie is crap. Fuck it. Fuck this movie. Um, um, it's, it, it, I'm telling everybody, it's like, well, is it because like you had low expectations from the first one? And I was like, well, I mean, the first one isn't necessarily a bad movie. It's just, right. it's bad on like first impression. But once you realize like the slow motion and the fades and the bad editing and the ADR, how much of it is on purpose doesn't matter. It, mm-hmm. The fact is the movie's been around for 10 years. The movie is what it is. Right. And it had its elbow deep into camp. And the the silliness of how it all came together is a little mm-hmm. adds to the campiness. Like, look, Pierce Brosnan does not sing well in that movie. No, he does he not. He doesn't. He does Unblinking not. Unblinking eye contact. No, it's creepy a little bit. It's very creepy. <laughs> and he's singing like a person. He's, so... he's singing like a robot that doesn't know what singing sounds like. No, but he's also... <laughs> but he's so earnest. Yes. And that's what... That's the charm. And then you're just... Yeah, and you're like, oh, he's like... This is a guy who can't sing. And he's... And this is the whole idea of the musical, if you buy into the way musicals work, mm-hmm. is... The characters are so moved by the moment that they break into song. And so that is like an encapsulation of the emotion of an, of a musical. This is yes. a guy who can't sing, but he's so overcome with love and regret for how he conducted himself when he first met Donna that he's going to sing poorly. Exactly. But he needs to sing. The movie is a testament to that idea. Yeah. With that, you know, the silliness mixed with the earnestness yes. of it all yes. is the charm. Is the charm. It's like this movie knows that it's silly. Singing out loud, especially singing ABBA songs, a right. Swedish band from the 70s. Like, right. it's silly. Right. This is all silly. Right. And if you're going to judge this movie either the first one or the second one, on the same level that you're judging things like Hereditary sure. or uh, well, that's, Avengers that's, that's Infinity a fool's War. fool's errand. No. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. Even if you're going to judge this movie on the same level as something like La La Land, another musical. Right. Jukebox musicals right. and musicals are two very different things. Right, and that's a good point. So I'm going to bring up something that I noticed about the first Mamma Mia versus the second Mamma Mia. And I think I said this to you after we saw the second one in the theater. Give it to me. So the first one, based on the musical, the stage musical, which is the stage musical is shamelessly, somebody really liked ABBA (laughs) and was like, let's just do a bunch of ABBA songs and create a very thin plot to connect a bunch of ABBA songs together. Quite, Quite thin. Quite thin. They've somehow made it work. And in the film, I will say, because I I do admit I haven't seen the stage version, but the film, because of the performances of Meryl Streep, Pierce Brosnan, Colin Firth, Amanda Seyfried, they, because they are capable actors, Dominic Cooper, yes. As he locks eyes. Exactly. (laughs) You know, because they are stellar performers and they know how to emote and they know how to act and they know how to... You know, the thing I give them all credit for in that movie, so that's that's a movie, the first movie and the second movie, the first movie in particular, because it was the first time any of us saw this concept. That's a lot of big, famous A-list actors. Totally. 
doing a ridiculous movie. But they all take it seriously. It's camp, but they do camp well because camp only works. They if look like you, they're having fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like still in Scars Guard is just like, yeah, I'll do another one. Right. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Yeah, why like, not? That was a lot of fun. Right. You, you know that this movie is Colin Firth's favorite movie. Yeah. Not favorite movie that he's done. Right. Favorite movie. It's ever. his favorite movie. That's I mean, like when <laughs> so because <laughs> Colin Firth. Because when we went, so since we are both award show junkies, if I don't know if you mm. remember the year that, so he won an Oscar for his performance in the King's Speech. A year later, the conceit at the Oscars is whoever won Best Actor the year before presents Best Actress. So he mm-hmm. was presenting that category. Meryl was nominated, and the way they were doing it that year was the the person the presenter would say a little blurb about how awesome each nominee was, and he mentioned specifically when he was talking up Meryl. Um, you know, like, I remember it all so well. We were in Greece. We were singing songs. I was gay. It was lovely. You can tell how much he loved doing that movie. Right. And it's like, and this the fact that Earth. everybody came back yeah. to this movie 10 years later yeah. shouldn't be overlooked, even though it's so easy to because right. of just the like the lackadaisical nature of right. this movie just happening. Like right. this movie just dropped. There was a trailer and it was yeah. like, wait, you guys did this? And right. it's like, everybody went back. Right. Exactly. And everybody in this, in, in the, from the first movie, especially Pierce Brosnan, they have been hit very hard critically yes. on how they performed in the movie. Because I'm going to be quite honest here. A lot of people that saw the movie in 2008 didn't get, Mm-hmm. The campiness of it. They didn't no. understand that it was like, it's supposed to be kind of silly in its I read execution. a review of the first movie where they were like, I don't remember, maybe it was the New York Times review where they were like, this is weird. It's kind of like watching your favorite actors do bad karaoke. What's the point? That's what it is. Yes, that's exactly what that's it is. That's what it is. Like, have some fucking fun, you f- goddamn yeah, exactly. Nazi. Exactly. Stop <laughs> it. What are you exactly. talking about? Exactly. So, so going back to what I was saying about the, the idea of... We're of getting the, so I know, loud. We're getting, I know. <laughs> Here we go again. Just have some fun no, exactly. at the movies. So the first movie, the plot, thin, connecting these ABBA songs. And in the first movie, they, they hit all of the famous ABBA songs. And it's and it's good and it works and you've got capable actors in those very capable actors in those roles and they make it work. Song from the first one that I did not know about, mm-hmm. even when I watched it uh, a couple uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't go wasting your emotions. Don't Lay all your love go on me. wasting I think that, your yep. emo. That's so good. Never heard that song as far as I can tell. No. Oh. Like the first time I saw the movie, yeah, but sure, that, but was, not, one, that was one of when the I watched that you the didn't... movie. That's the one that like gripped me, yeah. And I was just like, oh my god, this is like a really fun song. And I've listened to the ABBA, yeah, original, yeah, yeah, yeah. tons of times. I'm like, this is one of my new favorite songs, yeah, yeah. And the same is in the second one mm-hmm. with the same two characters, right. Never heard that song before. Um, one of us is lying. Yes, 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 yes. One yes, of yes. us is li- never heard that song before, well, so, and, and I'm then, like, and this is that is made for a stage play. How was that not in the first one? Well, and this is what I was gonna. The point I think I made to you after we saw the movie in the theater, and I'm gonna make it again here. Go is the second movie. Part of what makes the second movie, in some ways, work better than the first movie, is. They already did all the big ABBA hits in the first movie. So now they're getting into the B-sides, the deep cuts, 
the ABBA songs that aren't necessarily in the foremost of someone's consciousness. Yeah, with as a little an ABBA bit person. of callbacks to the yeah, the, you, you get, got Dancing you Queen, got Mamma Mia, you know, but but it's mostly lesser known ABBA tracks, and in a way, because I was not as familiar with those songs, it functioned more like a traditional non-jukebox musical came across a little bit more sincere yeah exactly with what they because were it's not you're not just kind of like oh here's a shameless attempt to work dancing queen into I the movie completely agree and it was really really incredible because it's like i think that's part of what makes the second movie good even as a standalone film it's like okay well this is the musical mm-hmm. this is a musical and and i will say we were talking about amazing casting in the second movie for the young versions of all the characters. Whoever the fuck cast those people deserves yeah. like a raise. So let's talk about Lily James. We've been gushing well, about Meryl Streep. Let's take a break. Let's take quick. a break. Oh. And, uh, like, <laughs> but, but, but before we do, yeah, just yeah. to close up on that, because mm-hmm. uh, we're about to go mix ourselves some other drinks and mm-hmm. we might forget. Uh, is I, That's what we do. I do think that the Meryl's, second yeah. one's biggest... Uh, the biggest thing that, that it's got going for it mm-hmm. is that in the first one, whenever they're throwing out Dancing Queen or Mamma Mia or these very well-known ABBA songs, SOS, mm-hmm. you, there's this kind of loss of sincerity of like, oh, you're just, you're doing ABBA songs. Yes. In the second one, they're not doing, when they do Dancing Queen or Mamma Mia or SOS, they're not doing ABBA songs. They're doing Mamma Mia songs. Yes. Songs that call back to when yes. that happened in the first one. That's really, Dancing that's a really Queens, good point. Dancing Queens, bring, when they bring that up, Pierce Brosnan says it in one of the cheesiest, you should laugh at it lines, mm-hmm. but it's very sincere. He says, when he's talking to Sophie about Donna, who has passed away in the second one. Spoiler, but I think everyone knows that by I, now. Apparently, it was in the trailer. I didn't catch that. I didn't that. catch that either. But everybody I'm talking to, they're like, yeah, that's in the trailer. I did not catch that. Um, he says uh, she was like, she was like our beauty, our love, our, our dancing, dancing queen. queen. And that should be something that's eye-rollingly cheesy. But at yeah. that point, you're like, yeah, dude. And then... Pierce Brosnan sings, Sam sings uh, SOS slowly. And now it's While looking changed. at pictures of the two of it's, them in their youth. It's changed in context. Yes, that, like, exactly. It's like, when you're gone, how can I carry, can I carry on? on? It's like, I lost you, my yeah. love, and I want to get you back. Now yeah. it's, you're dead. Yeah. And it and they slow it down and it's, there's this it's sincerity like so of it. It's not him singing an ABBA song. It's yeah. him referencing Mamma Mia. Same with yeah. Dancing Queen. It's like, they're not just doing an ABBA song for the sake of doing it. This song holds context yes. in the universe of the, the world song, that you're in. Right. Because it's when it shows up in the second movie, it's like everybody coming over in the boat, including Colin Firth and Stellan Sarsgaard. Mm-hmm. They've, they thought they couldn't come to the party, but they can. And they're bringing over a bunch of people on the party and it's like they're singing Dancing Queen because the party is partly to reopen this hotel that was Donna's hotel. But the party Great is plot. also. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the, the party is also a celebration of Donna. Yes. And so everyone's coming over for the party. It's and they're named singing, after her. That's yeah, what it is. Yeah. And they're singing Donna's song. And it's like, you know, so it's not just like, here's Dancing Queen because that's the ABBA song, you know. It's like, here's the party for Donna. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take a quick break break. real quick. Uh, We'll re-up on some mojitos Mm -hmm. and we'll come back. I'll tell you 
who the father oh, is, I the know. biological father, because they're all the father. They're all the father. But who the biological father is, according to the writer of both of the movies, uh, she came out there and she said it, and I read it, and I was like, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we'll be back in just a little bit after this quick commercial break. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Overdrinkers, starring actual teen heartthrob, Rhea Banerjee, <laughs> and me, Mike Birch. Uh, just wanted to pop in here real quick and let you know about all of the amazing articles and reviews that we have up on StoryScreenBeacon.com, our website, where you can find all of our other podcasts, buy some t-shirts or buy some fucking t-shirts, as Robert Anderson would say. We've got reviews for like uh, The World's End, uh, Heart, Hearts Beat Loud. Uh, I recently wrote an article on the James Gunn firing by Disney and the idea of mob mentality online and just all this crazy nonsense that went into that. We've got some really great stuff over there. And the main thing that we want you guys to do is interact with us. We see the clicks. We see the listens. We see the likes. We know that you're out there. We get about... 200 listens per episode. We know you're out there, guys. Interact with us. Talk with us. We want to talk to you as well. We want to have some fun. We want to make a community out of this beyond just where we are physically. We want this to be Universal Studios, Florida. No, no, not, not specifically. Uh, so please interact with us. Check out all our stuff. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Twitter. Yeah, Instagram story underscore screen underscore beacon on Twitter story underscore screen. Find us, talk to us, love us so that we can show you how much we love you because we do, but you need to let us show it. All right, let's get back to the episode. Love you. Welcome back. Hello. So, we are talking that Mamma Mia. Mwah. Here on Story Screen, we usually do, mom, like, if we like something, we say, yeah. that was Mamma Mia. Mwah. And we do, like, a chef's kiss kind of thing. So, okay. this there is fun go. because uh, Mamma Mia, the first one. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mamma Mia, Mia two, 2, here we go again. Mwah. <laughs> Mamma Mia, that's a movie. Uh, one of the things that's really cool about the about the second one uh, that we kind of touched on in the first part is the casting, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. Yeah. Donna's friends, like the, the the casting of those younger performers, is amazing, right? And standoutish, but. I think that we would be doing a disservice to the magic and what's so fucking cool about the second one as far as like being familiar with the first one is yes. the casting of not just the the three male leads, but uh, Donna herself. Is yes. Lily James plays Lily James. younger Meryl Streep. Yes. And so... Um so that's that's the thing. We've got the, the two women who play young Tanya and young Rosie. Brilliant casting. Absolutely brilliant casting. Lily James. Where did they find them? Like I don't know. They look they like, look like them. It's incredible. And I, I, I think Lily James, you know, eye color aside, which I don't fucking care about. Yeah. Her mannerism, she's yeah. a great actress. She is. Baby Driver? Yes. You've seen it? 
I have not seen it. You are borrowing the Blu-ray before you walk out of here. I will do that. But you know how I know her is Downton Abbey. Of course you do. <laughs> I still haven't watched oh. it. I'm sorry. There's like, I feel like every three months I find out something else about Downton Abbey uh-huh. that makes me go, why the fuck haven't you watched this yet? You will love it. Which is uh, going to come up in a little bit, too, because I got a like bit. a fun conversation planned for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lily James, it's incredible because she's not necessarily um, as straightforwardly perfect casting-wise as a young Meryl. But right. she is luminous in this role. She captures the spirit of the version of Donna we learn about from the first movie. She's a beautiful girl, and she can sing. And she obviously, I've read a couple of interviews with her. She took some time with the first movie to really kind of try to get into the version of Donna that we got from Meryl in the first movie. She does stuff in the sequel Mm -hmm. that Meryl Streep specifically does. Yes. As little mannerisms. Yes. Like there's like the, in the first one. When Tanya and Rosie first show up, right. Meryl Streep as Donna does this little like kind of point and like yeah, like yeah, like, exactly. Like, does and this little like, like uh like Donna and like the band kind of thing yeah. And in the, James like, does it yeah. multiple times throughout yeah. the movie, not in like a showy way. It's no, just, like, just like that's this is, a that's, mannerism. That's, a, that's who she. That's who Donna She's is. She's a very good actress. She's a very good actress. She's a very very good actress. It's funny when she turns up on Downton Abbey. She turns up in you know you 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 understand some of the beats of long running TV shows. Um, a character in season three. I don't want to spoil this too much for you. Don't spoil anything, please. Because I have nothing about Downton Abbey. I just okay. I just know that Professor McGonagall is a bitch. That's all I know about <laughs> Downton Abbey. So I just want to say she comes in in season three of Downton Abbey in a way that's kind of like, oh, they needed a new character. And here's like the wacky new character. And it's okay. like, what's that? Cousin James, whatever on the Brady Bunch. Cousin Sean. They, like in the last few seasons of the Brady mm-hmm. Bunch, there was yeah. like an idiot little kid that or they brought in. Like because... the, the 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 guy that plays Daredevil when he showed up on Boardwalk Empire. Right. Yeah. So you're just kind of like, oh. Did you know what I was a... talking about there? I did, just... I did. Okay, good. I did. I did. No, no, no. And you're absolutely right. That's, you know. My so... mom is watching Boardwalk Empire and she just got to that, that part, part of Boardwalk and Empire. She's like, and she's oh, like, really? Can you believe they did that? <laughs> yeah. So she shows up and then like in her character when we first meet her in Downton Abbey. She's just kind of ridiculous. Like, I remember I was watching it in real time with my best friend, and we were just kind of like, who the fuck is this woman? Why is she here? This is so dumb. This is, like, the dumb... And, like, Downton Abbey, let's be honest, it looks like a BBC prestige TV show, and in some ways it is, but it's also straight-up Days of Our Lives, soap opera, tawdry, like, you know, like like trash i'm into that yeah i am it's into like, it is trash. genre specific heightened soap opera trash yeah that's what buffy the vampire Slayer no exactly is. like i'm exactly. into that shit exactly change up the genre exactly fucking like lean into the trashiness of it right. and you're gonna come out the other end with like something that's like well that was pretty cool yeah so she shows up in season three and you're like what the fuck why why is she here she's annoying and ridiculous and like a plot device and then she sticks around for a while and she grows into the character and Mm. you're like she's kind of cool and she's and and that's lily james Mm -hmm. you know like she comes in 
I think she's good at just doing thankless roles. She comes in, she came in at this point in, in Downton Abbey and it was a very emotionally loaded choice to bring her in because of where the plot of the season had been going. And, and she comes in and you're first like, oh, really? And then she grows on you like a fungus. Mm-hmm. It's like calling her like a, like thank, like with thankless roles and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I think uh, her character in Baby Driver, especially, is like she's the love interest for the titular character mm-hmm. and her role like it's not that she's not in the movie that a lot a lot she's in it a lot she's mm-hmm. a main character i'm fairly certain that she's either second or third build mm-hmm. um but it is a thankless role because she's kind of just playing the love interest to said titular character right but she has to bring like this kind of weightiness and groundedness to everything where right. it's like I'm just a waitress and you're involved in all this shit. Right. Uh, which I won't go too specific because you right. haven't seen it and you right, need to see right. it because it's one of the best movies of last year. Okay. It's phenomenal. Edgar Wright directed it. So that's okay. What are you doing? I, I'll, it's an I'll, Edgar Wright movie. I'll borrow it. Uh, okay. We got yeah, it. I'll borrow, borrow it. it. Yeah, borrow. yeah, yeah. Uh, I also <laughs> haven't seen, um, I guess, her big kind of, uh, besides Downton Abbey, her big like kind of jettison into. American uh, film culture was Cinderella. Um, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. I'll be honest. Uh, and honestly, I've heard really good things about it. Yeah. It's one of those, like it, it came right before like, you know, beauty and the beast and the jungle book where it was like, mm-hmm. we're going to remake these things. It was like the first one of that. Mm-hmm. Didn't get a lot of press. Didn't really know. It was, was kind really of like an afterthought of a movie. Came in, came yeah. out. You know, uh, same can be said about uh, Maleficent. Sure. Which I have heard 50% like, it's really good. And 50%, it's dog shit. So I haven't caught it yet. Right. But I'm kind of now kind of getting this feeling where I'm going to do like a double feature of Maleficent and Cinderella. Cinderella. Because I want to check out Lily James in more stuff. She was also, um, did you see uh, Sorry to Bother You? No, but we talked about this after the after we saw Mamma Mia 2. Right. Uh, In Sorry to Bother You, uh, the pretty much all black cast. Um, she plays a white voice. Some of them have yeah. white voices, like Patton Oswalt is one, David Cross is one, and Tessa Thompson's character, when she does a white voice, she is overdubbed by Lily James. Lily James right. Yeah, which I thought was really funny because me and Dee were talking about Lily James before, as we were going to see Sorry to Bother You. For mm-hmm. some reason, she came up and we were talking about her and we were like, I love her. And we are like, yeah, we love her. Mm-hmm. And then we're watching the movie and the voice comes out and I'm like, is that Lily James? Like, that's really, it's one of those like, uh, like serendipitous you, you conversational things. Yes. Yeah. And she just showed up and I was like, I got to check. And we stayed for the credits and it was like, that's Lily there James. Is, yeah. Uh, filling the shoes of Meryl Streep. Thankless. In any movie. That is a thankless role. For the love of God, the guts that you have to have. Yeah. And luckily Meryl Streep also kind of gave her streep seal of approval yeah on lily james met yeah. with her talked with her and was like she's got the goods yeah you know which she was gonna have to do anyway, anyway right but, but coming yeah, from streep like, she seems like a very sincere person that yes, she would go yeah, for it yeah gave her her blessing mm-hmm. so uh, you know on that and she's she's a she is a revelation much the way meryl streep was a revelation in the first movie meryl can sing meryl is charming meryl can do camp cooks a good burger cooks a good burger Moves her daughter out of the dorm like it's nothing. Um, Lily James is fantastic in the second movie. And the second movie, the premise of the second movie, we've alluded to, there is a party. There's two timelines in the second movie. The The, the current day timeline right. is Sophie, Donna's daughter. Donna is dead. Sorry. 
Um, Which we didn't know. We didn't know. We did not we did know not going know that, in. No. And it's like when they did, like, they show her picture. I'm like, was she away somewhere? Like, and then they're like, why are they missing they're her? Like, she died a year ago. And you're, you're like, like, what? <laughs> so, so Donna is dead. Donna dead. Donna's dead. Sam is still around because Sam and Donna were married. And Sam is Sophie's stepfather. Sam is the father that she never had. Mm-hmm. So he's around. And what's happening is she's Sophie's back on the island. She traveled with Skye, Dominic Cooper Skye, for a while. Came back to the island. Is going to reopen the hotel. And there's going to be a big opening day party. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're planning for. In That's the current, the current day timeline. And then there is a flashback to the origin story so you see we learn the origin story in narrative form in the first film donna slept with three guys one summer Mm -hmm. got pregnant who knows who the father is but you know complete with uh cheesy uh like handlebar mustache pierced bras yeah exactly having fun with exactly Uh, i've seen some people are a little confused about the timeline of it right and i'm like confused like you get that they made that movie 10 years ago, had no, had idea, no idea they were going to make a sequel. Exactly. And they were like, maybe not give the main love interest a, a handlebar, handlebar mustache exactly. in 70s amount. Like, exactly. Maybe. maybe. So the so what they do is they, they act out the origin story of Donna and Sophie, which we know from the first film, but they show us how it happened. And you would think going into a movie like that where you're like, oh, they're just going to act out the thing we already know. What's the point? It's beautiful. It's great. It's it's like you really gain a deeper understanding of how that happened, what it meant to Donna, each of what each of the men meant to Donna, yeah. how thoroughly Sam's betrayal destroyed her mm-hmm. and gave her some inspiration for her music career. Yeah. And how Oh, ins- good good read. Yeah, yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. Yes. And then, you know, and then how she Like Donna's character, and this is what we're talking about, how this movie is a celebration of of women in some ways. It's like she had these, you know, she had a horrible experience with one guy. She had kind of fun with two other guys. She doesn't know who the dad is. She's going to have the baby anyway. She's decided that her life is going to be on this island. And she decides to be a person on her own who's going to raise her daughter in spite of not knowing who the dad is. And it's almost like, who gives a fuck? Right. I, I said before, like the first one is kind of like this, uh, feminist, uh, Oh, sorry. Hold on. Get on the box real quick. Uh, it's like this feminist story that is really kind of pressing the idea of choice and, and family in this kind of like feminist lens. Like that's what it, yeah. And the mo- these not slut shaming Donna for, not, for banging three all, guys in one summer. At all. And these, th- this is a movie that is, uh, uh, like the, the idea of like chick flick. Yeah. Which I don't agree with. Like all movies are for all people, but like, let's not kid ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. the people, certain types of more, certain types of people went and saw Mamma Mia as certain types of people went and saw the dark Knight. Sure. It's not that chicks didn't dig the dark Knight and dudes didn't dig Mamma Mia. It's just, yeah, there's probably a hefty percentage there. Sure. We're talking sure. like an 80, 20 thing. Sure. But, Mamma Mia, the first one, as like this kind of uh, uh, feminist idea in its themes and its plot. The second one, I said to you as soon as it was done, I was mm-hmm. like, that was one of like the strongest and most charming and just like lackadaisically fun, uh, like 
triumphs of womanhood and right. motherhood right. and just like what it is to be a woman and what it is to be just like that you're you're just going through the motions of being a person right and you happen to be a woman right and like guys it's the classic thing of like if a guy has sex with five girls he's fucking awesome yeah if a girl has sex with five guys She's a slut. Right. It's that classic comparison. And this movie just like throws that out and it's, and it gives you real weight and real decisions made by Donna's character Mm -hmm. of why she slept with these people. Right. And it goes out of its way to really express the idea that her having sex with three men in the span of one month does not make her a slut. No. There are reasons that she does everything. She's she's uh, Harry. She's on vacation. She's having right. fun. She's in Paris. It's romantic. It's he's, romantic. And you know. she kind of doesn't want to do it. But then she's like, this guy's charming. Fuck yeah, it. I'm on vacation. Cute. Right. Exactly. Then she meets a guy that she's kind of in love with. Right. And she falls from him. They sleep together. She gets together. swept away. She gets it fucked over. Exactly. He leaves. And then this other guy that she knows kind of comes, comes back into back her into life. Her and life and it's he's, a rebound. And he's, yeah. And he's hot. And it he's like. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Canon in the canon of it, mm-hmm. it starts to kind of falter because there are some weird things in the timeline where in the beginning of the first Mamma Mia, Sophie is reading Donna's journal. Right. Uh bad. Yeah, but don't do that. Plot but, device need yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh in the yeah, in the first movie, Sam is the first relationship and then Harry and Bill are the rebounds, if I remember well, correctly. In the diary, it's uh she dated Harry mm. somewhere else. Paris mm-hmm. came to the island. Right, met Sam. Met Sam. Sam left. Uh, Bill showed up. Right, slept with Bill. Mm-hmm. And then Harry, out of nowhere, visited the island. Oh, right. And that's one of the big things where I think that there's either a deleted scene or I think the movie knows that this is something and mm-hmm. is in a campy way. Yeah, dealing with it. Remember, Colin Firth talks about. Um, uh, the 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 guitar. Yes. And it's like I had to sell uh, like a Ramones or right, like, like my Ramones t shirt or whatever, my Sex Pistols t shirt. Yeah. And in the and in the sequel, it's mm-hmm. fucking crazy. He's wearing the t shirt. Yes. In the scenes that they're together. Yes. And when he shows up to the pier to try and get back to to get to the island, which right. he never ends up doing, he has that guitar. Yes. On his back, and he's still wearing the shirt. Yes. I think they did it on purpose. Right. Because in we this were kind supposed of campy, to see, yeah, like exactly. fun thing, like, like he, look. We had to speed this up. Right. This is the best way. She slept with him because it was vacation. She fell in love with Sam. She rebounded with Bill. That's what makes sense. Yes. And yeah. I think and I think that's fine. It's fine. Yeah. No, I that's this is not the kind of movie where I'm sitting there and being like, they're ruined the canon. Fuck this. I'm walking out. Like yeah. that's you know I'm not trying to accept yeah. this movie <laughs> exactly. and figure it out. Although I do think it's interesting when you start to see these little things and you're kind of like like the same with the eye color. Like right. they did not care. Same with a uh, no handlebar mustache, right. shorter hair. Right. They look different. Right. You know, because they're just having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so that's the the so you you get the origin story spelled out for you in a way that you know you got a little bit in the first movie, but now you see it as it happens mm-hmm. in parallel with Sophie in the current day, getting ready for this opening hotel party. Um, and there's some drama there. Uh, she wants all three of her dads to come. Sam is already there because Sam's her stepdad. He moved to the island when he married Donna. 
But Harry and Bill originally say they can't make it for work reasons or whatever, and she's very sad about that. And then there's like they a have, giant... They have little tiny arcs. Yes. Where they realize Sam, not Sam, Bill and Harry have these epiphanies about like family means everything. So mm-hmm. fuck work. Fuck this award I'm getting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to dish it all. Well, it was like you know. uh, Colin Firth's... Um uh harry is like doing a merger in his business he's always been the business guy right uh, bill's getting like an award for something and right. he, and we get <laughs> beautiful still <laughs> scars garden of fat suit as right, like exactly. his brother kurt his, yeah his brother kurt who's like standing in for him at the award so bill can dish best, the award and best like, joke of the movie yeah and he's just yeah, like just exactly. make sure he doesn't tell the goat story and, and then he's we like i've got a great story fat for you scars guard yeah just, just delivering yeah an amazing I a, line. I have a great story for you that you'll enjoy about a goat. Yeah, it's perfect. It's great. <laughs> it's it's everybody can get it. It's yeah. good movie. Yeah. It's good movie. Yeah. It's good movieing. Yeah, exactly. You're doing good movie. Exactly. So there's this, you know, there's so they're they're trying to get to the party, and then what happens is there's a horrible rainstorm, hurricane, something that happens mm-hmm. that destroys all of the party decorations and kind metaphorical of metaphorical rising action. Exactly. Yes. And it you know, it thwarts the party and Sophie's very upset. But there's this very moving moment where she's like she runs exactly. down to yeah. the dock and mm-hmm. she's like and it and it's being told in parallel to Donna meeting Sam in the original flashback timeline in uh, similar situations in similar situation. there's a horrible rainstorm there's a horse that's in trouble and he's going to come and help donna with the horse uh, sophie runs down to the dock in current day and everything's destroyed and she's trying to she's trying to salvage what she can and sam her stepdad comes swooping in the way he did to help donna with the horse mm-hmm. um you know and it's it's so it's two things you see in the original timeline sam is a good person who comes in to help a woman he doesn't even know who says there's there's trouble here i need help i care about this animal he seems to be in trouble and sam's like you know he's a good person too and he's gonna help and then you see in the current day sam's a good stepfather he's a good guy he's a good guy and he comes in and i don't care if he can't sing for shit it doesn't matter he's a good dude so you got you you've got dashing pierce brosnan and sam the stepfather who comes in and he hugs Sophie and he says, this is what we got to do to salvage this the way he did back in the day. This is what we got to do to save the horse. He's a take charge kind of good stand up guy who's going to save the day. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, like given my own personal relationship history, I find relationships between step parents and step children very very moving the oh, idea uh, that dude i'm right there with yeah, you yeah exactly it's you a, know so it's, it's like, been heavily documented yes, on this yes, podcast yes. that i have a stepfather yes. that married my mom when i was four because yes. my dad is a uh piece of shit and uh, <laughs> uh and my re- yeah. and my dad that raised me my stepdad is fucking awesome yeah yeah and i have an awesome stepmother and i have you know, relationship history where I've been involved with people who have children from previous relationships. So I've played that kind of role. I find that kind of thing very affecting mm-hmm. because it's and a it's special you, relationship. A lot of movies don't they show, don't show it, it in a positive yeah, light. Exactly. Like it's they, always like, like the, the wicked stepmother. Like, or the, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The, Maleficent. Here we go. Right? Right, right, right. Well, no, that's Cinderella. Oh, fuck. Well, I get... Well, if it did... No, 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 no. Cinderella has Wicked Stepmother and the Wicked Stepsisters, right? That's what I'm talking about. Yes, yeah, yeah. Maleficent is Snow White. Snow White, fuck it. Same thing, Come on, girl. (laughs) But, like, I... I, I, No, but the the horrible step-parent is a trope. Yes. So when you see the good step-parent, it's like, oh, my God, this is so... 
like it's and it's that idea that we pick up in the first movie of like you choose your family and mm-hmm. that's who you want in your life. Yeah, and it's those like are when, the it's like when you watch you. an action movie and you see a female character that isn't a main character that has mm-hmm. agency of choice. Like you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. Oh, are you telling me? Are you, are you telling me that women they can make their own decisions about stuff? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. I'll get the I'll get the box. Take the box down for a Sorry while. About that. Sorry. Yeah, the box is coming back, but you know. I mean, the box is always the there. box is always. I'm there. always on the box. <laughs> so you know, so I find you know that that moment is very very affecting. That you see that Sam is still Donna died, but Sam is still there. Sam and did not leave the island. It's it's such a there. sweet understated moment yeah. in that like we we've seen that Sam is still there beforehand. Yes. And he's drawing pictures and he's putting together something for the hotel. Right. He and has that amazing reprise, reprise of SOS, of SOS that completely changes right. the context of it where like right. the lines just like you know uh when you're gone how, how can, can I, I even, even try, try to, to move, move on? on? Like yeah. it's it completely gets rid of the fact that we, right. it, it was a joke that Brosnan cannot sing yeah. and that he like completely just like dropped that shit in the first right. one. And it, it's beautiful yeah. in its uh, sincerity. And it's almost kind of like, it knows it's like almost meta in a way. It mm-hmm. knows that, Everybody judged Pierce Brosnan on his singing talents from the yes. first one. So 10 years later, here he is, he's back, and he's, he's going to sing the it. same song, and he's going to sing it in a different tempo, with a different context. And a different feel. It's It, yeah. it really, that was one of the first things that kind of blew me away about it. Yeah. And we and, and so it's we see very, that. It's very affecting. It's, it's very- insanely, yeah. The movie, movies. Yes. It is a movie. Yeah. And it does what movies do. Yeah. Very well. Yeah. And that's what makes a good movie. Right. Exactly. And, you know, like, uh, at the end of the day, I th- I think that it's a great time mm-hmm. and probably a great movie. Yeah. I need to see it again to really kind of mm-hmm. layer it out. Because, again, like, I understand that the plot is really fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the central idea. It's like, we're throwing a party. And then the party might not happen. And the party might not happen. There's a storm. And then the party uh, happens and anyway, and it's great. Stuff, and then the party, and the party happens. happens. And it Cher shows up. She's wearing pants. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's great, you know. And oh, it's, we got to talk about Cher. We got. We, we, we're, we're getting there. We're, we're, we're getting, getting there. Okay. Yeah, we're getting okay. so. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like that moment with Pierce Brosnan helping her in the storm, helping Sophie in the yeah. storm, uh, kind of mirrored with uh, young Sam helping Donna with the yeah. horse, is just like. I could try and explain it to somebody who's never seen it. Right. And try and explain how it makes you feel. But if you have seen it, mm-hmm. you know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Because yeah. it's because the movie's moving yeah. right there. It's, it's, it's asking you it. it's asking you to see the parallel. It's asking you to see this is And who it's Sam very was. obvious. Rain, right. rain, 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 storm, storm, storm. storm. Sam, Sam. Yeah. But it's like, but you see, this is who he was and this is who he still is. He mm-hmm. still is an amazing person. He's gonna care for his daughter. Right. Just as much as, as for the person her. that he's falling in love with. Yes. Whether or not it's his biological daughter, because right. it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter because he to loves all her. three of them, yeah. that's their daughter. That's their daughter. So that's that's the basic framework. It's a good, sorry. It's no, a good movie. It is a good movie. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's a great time. Yes. Good movie, great good time. Good movie, great time. And then, of course, if we're talking parallels, because the movie is moving, mm-hmm. Sophie finds out she's pregnant. 
Mm. And it's kind of like a oh shit, and my mom was I'm like Sky is still in her Good life. Editing so with that too, exactly. where you think it's Lily yeah. James going to throw up right. Donna's character, Donna's and then you yeah, and then you cut to like, Sophie's throwing up. Mama mia! Like, yeah, exactly. Although I will say, just to be a pedant about like biology, go for it. Just because you barf once doesn't mean you're pregnant. That's okay. It's a movie. I'm I'm not going to be a dick about that, but I'm just saying True. there's this moment where like Sophie like lifts her head up from the toilet and she goes, "Well, I guess we know what this means." And I'm like, yeah. she, I'm like, "Maybe goes, you ate a bad shrimp." She goes, "Mamma mia." Like she yeah. says the titular, like, "Oh." Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, you might you live on an island, so you might have had questionable seafood. You know? <laughs> that's, that's really good actually. I was going I was going to say like like as a man I probably can't really speak to this but like I uh, I would imagine that like after sleeping with three guys in the span of 3 weeks and then a month later you throw up Random. and there's other yeah. things that the character probably knows inside right, their right, head right, like right, 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 why right. hasn't that one thing that happens Every month happens yeah, just exactly. yet. It should have kind of hit. That's one thing. So like there's the, other stuff. Right. Yeah. With the Donna thing, you can you can you can figure out that maybe she's she had a, a sense and then right. that Unf- confirmed it. Unfortunately, there's no ABBA there's songs no. about missing your period, so no. they couldn't really Which work is it. Probably for the best. I mean, give it to me. <laughs> I'll check it out. So the Donna thing when Donna realizes she's pregnant, um, I can believe that because as as you just said, there there are other factors that she probably was considering and then she barfed randomly. Sure. Yeah. With Sophie the barfing, movie stuff, yeah. With Sophie, she barfs out of nowhere and then she's like, Well, that that's that's that. And I'm like, Are you sure? It's okay. How, it's, how it's, long has Sky been in New York or wherever he is? Right. Like, what are you talking about? Exactly. Also, I will say, as long as the movie movies, and there's like a totally manufactured moment where it looks like Sky is traveling because he's doing some sort of business hotel management course, and then they yeah. offer him a job, and he's like, maybe I want to stay in New York and not come back to Greece. He, he's a successful man, yes. Yes, and he's, and then you have a moment where you're like, oh shit, maybe their marriage is falling apart. <gasps> And then he comes back anyway, because of course he does. Because of course he does. Because of course he does. Because it's a good movie. Exactly, exactly. He comes back, and of course he comes back right the movie, as... Right the as, movie presents you with all of these problems where you're just like, oh no, I oh, hope no, that I hope doesn't that happen. And then, and then he's like, then he's like, never mind, of course I'm coming back because I love you. Yeah, and, and let's all she, dance for half an hour. Let's all dance for half an hour, and then she like pukes, and it's like, oh my god, I'm pregnant. Ah! You know, and then like... You know, but 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 it's trying to it's it's setting the stage. It's like chess pieces on a board. It's like, mm. okay, now we're at the point where the party is gonna happen. The hurricane happened, they survived the hurricane. Bill and Harry bring a party with them. They thought the party was canceled. Bill and Harry like bring a bunch of people from the mainland to the island for the party. Mm-hmm. And yay, there's a party and Sophie gets to sing with Tanya and Rosie and it's all great and she's she doesn't want to reveal she's pregnant, but Harry gets a little excited and tells everybody about it. I will say that that joke about I only told Bill and nobody else. I only told Harry and nobody else. I told many, many people. Brilliant joke. Mamma mia. But they stole it from Aaron Sorkin. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. What, what, what did they? Have you uh... seen Sports Night? Yeah. That is a joke from Sports oh, Night. F- I only told Natalie. She reports to me. I only told Jeremy. He's yeah, my boyfriend. Yes, yep. I told many, many people. I think that's like in the first episode. Yeah. That's like it's okay. One of it's their okay. like titular. It's okay. It's funny. It's, a funny. it's, it's fun. a funny joke. It's a funny joke, but but I watch. And, and it, like, works, it works. It works the best the, for Harry exactly, too. Because exactly. It's, because it's such a hairy thing to do. It is such do. a hairy thing to do. 
But I was I saw that and I was like, I'm laughing, but I'm also laughing at the plagiarism. Yeah. That's okay. It's I okay. mean, hey, dude, if you're going to plagiarize somebody, steal from the best. No, exactly. And Aaron Sorkin exactly. is like one of the best joke dialogue writers exactly. out there. Exactly. And, you know, and the timing is great. The delivery is great. The joke lands. Mm-hmm. But if you have this knowledge, if you have any knowledge of Aaron Sorkin's writing, you're kind of like. that's. Uh, I'm actually kind of <laughs> upset with myself that I didn't that I didn't catch that because yeah. I, I, I am a big Sorkin fan and I yeah. love Sports Night. Sports Night is amazing. It's one of the biggest yeah. tragedies in the world. Mm-hmm. That would have. Can you imagine season five of Sports Night? I want to cry. Like just that you imagine, that. like all of these characters just get to really sit in the yeah. gumbo that would be right. season five of Sports right. Night. Right. Uh, so, anyway, let's, so, so, wait, so let's just, get let's backtrack real quick and get on the actors that portray the three male leads because we talked on Lily James. Yes, we did, and we've we've talked about the Tanya and Rosie. Yes. So the actors that portray them, they don't necessarily look that similar. No, but uh, they capture the spirit of these men. I think that uh, Harry does it best. Yes, I think he that does. Harry really kind of gets that whimsical, nonsensical kind of like spontaneous, right? Like, I'm spontaneous, like awkward but cute kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who would have thought how they would figure out how to get Waterloo into the... Oh, of course. But it's brilliant. It works very well. It is brilliant. The Waterloo... That that was the moment that I was trying to think of. Like, what happens with uh, Money, Money, Money? It was wa- Waterloo in the second It was film Waterloo for, for me yeah. in the second one. Like, once she finally... Once Donna finally got to Paris, met Harry, they're sitting in the restaurant, and they break into Waterloo, and they're moving around. Mm-hmm. See, that's one of the things that I don't like about the first one is that it really doesn't have any idea of staging and or cinematography in tandem with staging how to present a musical. Yes. In the sense of where things are and how it feels sure. as where the camera is in tandem with where the characters are and what they're doing and sure. what we're supposed because to Because the first film is straight up. You take the stage show and you try to put it on film. And that's always... It's silly. That's always a risk. Silly because stuff stages are static in a way that films are not mm-hmm. so and this one the second one has a different uh director right. uh it has a uh, old parker is mm-hmm. the director of this one and uh, you know it, it's like he kind of and he helped write the the right. script as well well that's the thing is like what like i said earlier in the in the in the first half of this is like the second film is more of a traditional musical in that regard where it was written to be a movie musical and because the abba songs in the second film are lesser known ABBA songs. They function more like totally. a traditional musical. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, this movie has all of the fixings to be great. Yeah. And it pulls it off. Right. And I think that uh, the, like, the staging of Waterloo and like using baguettes as swords and right. like you're in Paris. You're in so Paris like and it's Napoleon a is like an and, yeah, obvious exactly. thing to make. Like you can do it and it, it functions very well. And I think that was the moment where I turned to you. Like, and after you were that, like, and like, oh, is this good? Holy yeah. shit. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, this like, is, this is this actually is blowing me away yeah. right now. Like, not even just like, oh, good job, movie. Right. It was more just like, wow, oh, that was yeah. like very exciting. Like, I am yeah. into this. And then little did I know, mm. <laughs> the ending of it is just like, we're going to Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> love Harry. Yeah. Uh, young, Bill. Young Bill is, is, is hot. I mean, yeah. Bill's character He's is designed weird eyes, to be a little bit, but, but like, but I get Bill, it. Bill is just supposed to be, and I think we are supposed to pick this up in the first film as well. Bill is just like a hot Swede. Who shows yeah. up and he's hot and he's kind of fun. Representation of ABBA. Yeah. Who is a Swedish, who are right. a, a Swedish, Swedish band. band. He's- Which, here you go. Ready? Ready. Bill's the dad. 
You know what? I believe that. Because the writer said that they wanted Sophie to be part Swedish because the character is not Swedish in the play. Right. But when they hired Stellan Skarsgård, who is Swedish, who is they Swedish, made the yeah. character Swedish. Yeah. And they said it would always be good for Sophie, the main character, to have some Swede, Swede- in yeah. them. Yeah. And so no, and that makes they sense. They say that Bill's dead, yeah, but they also say, like, like they, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But, doesn't. I, but I feel like they even, now that you say that, they tease it a little in the yes, first they film. Do. Yes, because, they do. Because she says, I was named after this woman who helped my mother yeah. when she first moved to the island, Sophia. And Bill says, that's my aunt, Sophia, or my yeah, great aunt. And she only, like, when, when she died, she gave money away to everybody, and they gave... They gave Donna a lot of money right. and he was to like, be able I to thought, do the hotel. Right, and, and he's oh, like, I thought only family. family. Yeah. And Sophia, we're talking about the woman who fucking cock-blocked Sam when he came back to get Donna. Fuck. That's Sophia. That's Aunt Sophia. I, I am Aunt I am Sophia fucking ruined shit. Is. But she's nice and she took care of Donna when she was given birth and it's very hard. Again, what we're talking about, chosen family. Hey, Donna has a Donna has a troubled relationship with her mother and Sophia, the bartender, quasi mother figure, protective of Donna, told Sam to go fuck himself when he came back. Mm-hmm. That's the mother that she didn't have who came to help her when she was giving birth all alone mm-hmm. on the island. Which is another uh, thing in the first one. Uh, Meryl Streep, Donna's character is like, it's like somebody up there is messing with me. Right. It's probably my mom. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, wasn't she crazy? And it's like some people have said, like, well, that infers that the her mom is, is dead. dead. And I was like, like, no, her mom is absent. Yes. It's the whole thing about Sophie. It's like her, her, uh, one of her parents was always absent. Uh, yes. Right. So. Right. Not a, not a plot hole. No. Which, like, honestly, if you're going to look for plot holes in like, Mamma like, Mia, like, too. Like, like, why? Chill, guys. Why? Like, let's chill hey, out. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, but it's also just like, if you're like, hey, I oh, I want to find a plot hole in a movie. Mm-hmm. What movie <laughs> do I look for the plot hole in? Oh. Right. Uh, Mamma Mia. <laughs> Cher's character. It's fucking Cher. Yeah, who gives a fuck? It's Cher. Let's talk Just about it. Just be a little fucking gay and get down can we, with can it. Can we talk about Cher? In a good way. Gay in a good way. Gay in a good Can we talk about Cher? Sam first. Sam first. Younger Sam. Younger Sam. He captures the spirit of Pierce, but- uh, Best best performance in in the movie, second to Lily James, as yeah. far as like the younger- The younger, oh, yeah. and her friends. Like, and her, yeah. Best male performance. Best male performance. Yeah. I think he's- Yeah. Uh, he was actually in, I looked up- uh, the one Steven Spielberg movie I have not seen. Which is? Which I'm saving. War Horse. I haven't seen that. Apparently, I'll tell you why I haven't seen that. There are some movies that don't I don't like see. No, I love horses. There's some movies that I can't see. <laughs> you look on your face when you <laughs> said I love, I love no, horses. I love horses. <laughs> don't you disparage horses yeah, in got, front of me. You got no, really <laughs> insulted. There are, there are some movies that I... We talked about this before we even recorded. There's some movies that I don't watch because I know they're going to make me sob hysterically. Right. And sometimes I'm just not ready for that. What was the movie we were talking about? We were talking, talking about Lion. Lion. I haven't yeah. watched it because I know I'm going to cry. Yeah. And I just haven't so it's been like ready Horses, for it. Like, movies about animals, I know going into them, I know yeah. they're going to make me cry. Is there an actual lion in Lion? No, there isn't. Oh. No, no, that's that's a coincidence. Animals. That's a coincidence. <laughs> um, but but that's, I mean, Jokes. like I have a yeah, like the stories about animals tend to make me cry. Mm. Um, you know, so so that I know that's going to make me cry. This is going to sound crazy because it's not really a story about animals unless you want to stretch your imagination. But I know that there is a Winnie the Pooh movie out right now, the Christopher Robin movie. Haven't heard of it. 
Um, no, I'm kidding. Like, it's yeah. everything. Yeah. If you've watched the YouTube video in the past three months, you yeah. know about Christopher Robin. Yeah. So I saw the trailer. Fuck. I saw the trailer for that, and I was like, that movie's going to make me cry in an ugly way. I probably shouldn't see it. I'm right actually now. pretty excited to go cry to that movie. I'm going to say a friend of mine saw it recently with his kid. His kid was like, I just want to see the Winnie the Pooh movie. And he was not expecting it to be as. I mean, yeah, it's really fucking crazy when yeah. Piglet gets kidney cancer and <laughs> he has to bring in this stuffed animal to the doctor and like, this is just an inanimate object. And he's just like, can you save him? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Spoiler alert for Christopher Robin. So, you know, so War Horse, I want to see it. I've, and, and, you know, I heard about it when it was on Broadway um, but I know that that's one of those movies where I'm just, if I have to be prepared to go into a movie like that, knowing that I'm going to be like, ah, by the end of it. Right. So he's in War Horse. Who is he in War Horse? Young Sam. No idea. I haven't no, seen I the movie. Haven't seen it yeah, yet. Okay. I haven't seen it. I just, uh, I looked it up and I was like, uh, me and Dee were walking through the mall mm-hmm. and we were about to go see, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout mm-hmm. the other day. And uh, I was just like, oh, he's really good in it. Uh, what else was he in? And she looked it up because she had just seen the movie um, The Darkest Minds, mm-hmm. which is like this new like young adult novel adaptation mm-hmm. that uh, has a lot of like um, young white dudes in it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, were any of these young white dudes in that movie? And right. apparently they weren't. But uh, she was able to find out, like, this is the dude from War Horse. And I was like, that's the only Steven Spielberg movie I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Which isn't true, too, because I haven't seen the ending of The Color Purple. Mm. Which I need to watch because I started watching The Color Purple. And I was like, this movie is fucking me up. I don't want to watch it. And I stopped. And right. that was, like, three years ago. And I haven't right. gone back. No, you got to go back and I have that. to go. Yeah. I, yeah. I have to go back. Yeah. Um, But let's get back mm-hmm. to what we're talking about. Share. Share. Cher. I love Cher. Cher is highly marketed. Yes. In all of the marketing for this movie. Yes. And she does not show up. Until half an hour before the end of the movie. Right. Which you think is like, oh, this is the end of the movie. But then the movie is like, oh, we're not done movieing just yet. There's a coda. Yes. Yes. So Cher, I will say, I'll say a couple things. Number one, fun trivia. In the original Mamma Mia movie, they wanted Cher to play the Christine Baranski role. Mm-hmm. And she said no, for whatever reason, she said no. Um, she comes back in the second film to, spoiler, play Donna's mother. The mm-hmm. one who told Donna, don't fucking come home if you're pregnant. Which Cher is only, I think, like three years older than Meryl Streep yes. as well. Yes. And in real life, Cher and Meryl Streep are very good friends. Is that true? They've made a movie together. Oh, yes. yes. So Cher is an, Cher just as a phenomenon, as an actress, as a singer, as a performer, as a public figure. She is tremendous. She has accomplished so much. She's reinvented herself and reinvented herself and reinvented herself. She's got a great voice. She's got a great personality. She understands camp. She understands her role as a performer and she understands the, the shareness of herself. Um, she's great. And mm-hmm. she's, she's, she's somebody I, I genuinely love. I think I said this to you at one point, I can't decide if I want her to be my really cool aunt or if I just want to be her. 
you know? From me, I'd say ant. Well, yeah, I don't think you should be share. I don't. I don't think I could do no. it. No. <laughs> I feel like I feel like things. if I if I tried hard with some intention, maybe I could do it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not. You can tell me. You can be honest. You could probably do it. I could probably. You could do probably it. pull it off. I could. I used to be able to do a decent impression of her. So. No. <laughs> so she shows up in this film. I mean, and I'll tell you, like. I wasn't sure if I even wanted to see this. And then when I saw the trailer and I saw she was in it, that's when I texted you and was like, um. I mean, this was kind of the selling point of yeah, the movie. I was, was like, that, um, we gotta, we gotta yeah, do something We're with making this. another yeah. Mamma Mia and shares in and it. Shares like, that's in it. the yeah. pitch. Yeah. And, and uh, we were, yeah. we were kind of sold on it at yeah. that point. And that yeah. was kind of our main, f- yeah, our main reason of going. And what I'll give the movie credit for is like, she only shows up in the last 30 minutes of the movie. And it's not like the movie was good enough that I wasn't sitting there looking at my watch being like, where's Cher? Where's Cher? Where's Cher? Mm-hmm. And then when she turns up, I'm like, Absolutely. oh, here Absolutely. we are. Like yeah, the whole you time know? you're going like, there and you're yeah. like, oh, look, I'm going to this restaurant because I really, I've heard really good things about the steak and I like steak. Yeah. And you get to the restaurant and you're sitting there and you're waiting for the steak. Here, Where's the steak coming? And the, the appetizers come and everything mm-hmm. like and that. the and drinks like, are great. Okay, I'm, like, I'm just yeah, getting yeah. ready for the steak. But all the appetizers are amazing. And you're like, oh, I came here for the steak. But the, actually, the ambiance is actually, amazing is really and the nice lighting is great and, and the appetizers yeah, yeah. is great. Every, the wine every, is fantastic every, and the servers are fantastic and the bartender's great. Boom. And then here comes and the steak. And then all of a sudden the steak lands and you're like, oh, fuck, I had forgotten about the steak. That's right. And then it just blows up. The steak is perfect. And the steak's perfect. Yeah. It's cooked just right. Mm-hmm. Shows up at just the right time. Exactly. Wearing perfect pants. Oh, yeah. Perfect pants. Perfect everything. She shows up. So the the you, sh- you see in the beginning of the movie that Sophie is considering inviting her grandma, Ruby, to the hotel party. Mm. And then in the 11th hour, she's like, nah, fuck it. She's, uh, Ruby was a bitch to my mom, whatever. Kind of a dick move, too, in my yeah. When I was first watching, I was like, yeah, I mean, send the invite. I mean, yeah, I mean, she'll, she'll come or she won't. And then what? She rips it up in front of Andy, Andy Garcia, Garcia as well, whose name is Fernando, Fernando. Sinfuego. Sinfuego. Sin. Sinfuego. Fuego. Fuego is fire. Yeah, it's without fire. <gasps> because he lost his fire. Oh, when a woman oh my God. Him. It's great, right? It's great. It's, it's fantastic. So because we find out that the this guy has just been here this whole time. Right. And we don't know why. Right. And he's like the new GM of the hotel and he's mm-hmm. smooth and sexy. And Tanya and Rosie come back and they're like, oh my God, who is this guy? And a great line. Be still my beating vagina. Be still my beating vagina is really good. Ah. Tanya's line of uh, when she first meets him and he says like the first words to them and mm-hmm. he's and she just she's wearing glasses so you can't really see her eyes and she just like kind of authoritatively says like have him washed and bring him to the tent. <laughs> it's just like a yes. great line. Yes. Got a huge laugh out of yeah. our crowd. It that did. Was it. Like, it it's did. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. really well it's delivered, really, yeah. really funny line. So Andy Garcia, let's just talk about Andy Garcia. Just generally, I'm not going to go into his entire body of work but andy garcia he's great in the oceans movies yes um you know and he's good at being like the he's the suave he's the you need like a suave mystery man 
you know, maybe that he's Latino as part of the story, but maybe it's just that he's suave and good looking and he'll he's, charm you. And he'll he's a charming fucker. Feet. Yeah. You ever seen The Untouchables? No. The fuck. Brian De Palma, Kevin no, Costner joint. No, uh, no. Great movie. You should yeah. check it out. And yeah. That's one of fir- the first like Andy Garcia joints where yeah. he's, he's, uh, The Untouchables is like Kevin Costner, Sean Connery, and these uh, other two, like, nobody knows who they are. Mm -hmm. And one of them is Andy Garcia, and he Mm -hmm. plays, like, the plucky young buck. And you're like, Mm. oh, well, they're going to get killed. (laughs) And the big twist is that Sean Connery Mm -hmm. gets Mm -hmm. killed. Mm -hmm. And Andy Garcia actually keeps going on. Not to spoil the movie that's for all right. you. right. If by now I haven't seen it, Honestly, at this point, know, like right? anything that's anything that came out before 1992, if yeah, I haven't, if, if seen, I haven't it yet, seen it, that's my fault. Yeah. You're on a <laughs> podcast about movies. Right, exactly. I have a degree in film. Yeah, but no, yeah. Andy Garcia is great. He's also in this movie that I can't remember the name of it right now. It's like, it's like disturbing behavior, domestic disturbance, mm. something along those lines where it's like, yeah, Michael Keaton plays a dude who's like a very bad guy mm-hmm. and he goes to a hospital to he gets tra- he's a criminal an inmate that gets transported to a, a hospital to give Andy Garcia's son like a kidney transplant or something because it's like a weird mm-hmm. uh, disease kind of thing where only Michael Keaton mm-hmm. and I think Andy Garcia might have been the the cop that like mm-hmm. arrested him. Right. or maybe now maybe he's just like a dad or something it's a really fucking shitty movie but it's really <laughs> awesome at the same right, time right I gotta remember it but right. go so, on please. so Andy Garcia I'll, the other thing I will say about Andy Garcia is the movie that really he impresses me in I don't know if you've seen it it's When a Man Loves a Woman it's, hey hey now you have seen it come on look yeah. at me you have seen it I don't I look like I know. I'm just making sure. I just gotta make sure. And that's a move that's interesting because it upends the idea. Have you seen the box? (laughs) Look at the box. The big old feminist box. Um, upends Meryl. Uh, Meryl. Sorry. Upends Meg Meg Ryan as the romantic comedy hero. She's Mm -hmm. an alcoholic. It's a movie about codependency, and Andy Garcia is her codependent husband, who kind of enables her alcoholism but also like doesn't you know can't deal with her alcoholism and then she goes into rehab and it changes their relationship Mm -hmm. it's like a reverse leaving las vegas yes and then fun fact written by al franken hey now hey now Wow. I, I don't know if we can really go down this road right now, but we probably should. We should. But I just wanted to throw We're that out there, like yeah, 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 just to throw that. It's Al Franken co-wrote it. Okay. Um, and it's apparently the movie he's most proud of. So that's so my ah, this is my conception right. of Andy Garcia is that he's a very capable actor who can handle comedy, he can handle drama, he can handle action, and he's very dashing. Does good acting. He does good acting. So he shows up in Mamma Mia 2 and you're like, of course he's here. He's yeah, the it's dashing. It's an actor acting dashing, in a movie that's movie. Dashing like, yeah. uh, Fernando Sinfuego. I'm glad it's you told me that. a great name. I grew up in California. It's really shameful that I can't speak Spanish, but that's another topic for another day. So thank you for telling me. Don't worry about it. I Fernando can't either. Fernando Sinfuego. So he's there and the backstory is he and Ruby, Grandma Ruby, played by Cher, had a romance years ago. In Mexico. In Mexico. And then she shows up just to crash the party that she was uninvited to. Mm-hmm. But Sky, dreamy Dominic Cooper Sky, when he decides that he doesn't want to stay in New York, he's going to come back to the island because, of course, he is. 
And he, I guess, gets in touch with Ruby in Las Vegas. Sure. And he's like, you got to come to this party because it's that's important. Like at, the, at that point, like, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> no, exactly. I don't care exactly. about the hows exactly. and the whys. And then, like, I care Ruby, about that like, she is. shows up in a fucking helicopter. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's amazing. She gets off the helicopter. She's got, like, a, a badass pimped out cane. Yeah. And she's in pants and she's like, here I am. She is pimping the fuck out of yeah. this movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's like, like she really shows up she, yeah. as like like the ruby studded necklace yes. of this movie. It's yes. Like, oh yeah, you like what's going on over here. Well, how about how this? about this? And then she shows up and it's like, oh, grandma, you weren't invited. And she's like, well, no, I'm here. And you know, my daughter is dead, and I care about you. You're my granddaughter. I'm going to embrace the grandmother thing. And then she sees Fernando. Mm-hmm. And Andy Garcia. And Andy Garcia goes, oh, my God, it's Ruby. A a very, like, kind of played down character up until this point. Yes. He goes, oh. He sees her and that that sin fuego becomes fuego. Fuego. Ruby, mi amor, you're Mm -hmm. here. And And then. And a really good way to, like. Yeah. Like, work. The classic ABBA song for yeah, Fernando, Fernando, which I was familiar. That was with. what, yeah, that was that. That is one of the ones that they didn't. One of the famous ones that they didn't do in the first movie, mm-hmm. and they brought it in. And it's one of those things where it's like it's 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 almost shoehorned, you know? Yeah. Like she sees they him, figured out a way to exactly. Get it in. It's like we've only known him as Senor Sin Fuego up until now, and then she sees him and she goes. Fernando and I'm sitting there in the theater and I don't know if you saw I looked at you and I was like oh my oh, no, god I saw oh my god and then they do Fernando and it's just so sublime it's perfect it's, it's perfect. like it's again it's uh, a movie that would have been based on a stage play that was just yeah you know trying to put out as many ABBA hits as they can right and kind of loosely connect it Right. To everything. It's like, well, they're basing it off of the ideas of other people. Right. Let's execute it. This one, they're coming up with storylines and story beats to try and, and, mm-hmm. and make the songs connect like right. tangently right. to what's happening. And Fernando works great. Right. And again, I can't believe that the stage play, and maybe they did, and I just don't know about this, but the, 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 one of us is crying. One of us mm, is lying. Mm-hmm. Like that is uh, a, a, an obvious duet choice sure. for a musical. Right. And it's great. And I love the way that they kind of, I love it in uh, like, especially jukebox musical mm-hmm. movies and stuff like that. When they, when they utilize the idea of when you can see something on stage, they kind of move things around or sure, there's like yeah, a yeah. wall dividing right, and they do that the two beautiful people thing and they're on the two different sides like, of the world. Do, and then, and then she's looking in the mirror. So if he's right. looking in the mirror and she sees Sky there and I like Sky that. is looking in the mirror in his room in New York and he sees her there and it's like they're talking to each other, but they're separated, mm-hmm. but they're there with each other. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's like, that is the most beautiful way Love to it. take a concept that would work on stage and translate it. That's a success when you take a stage concept and you can translate it to film that way. Absolutely. And that doesn't always work, you know. Nope. It doesn't. Uh, have you have you ever seen the movie um Mamma Mia from 2008? Yes. Yeah, they try that. They try that. that yeah, 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 it doesn't yeah, really it doesn't work really out work. too well. No, no. But the, but but then Meryl Streep is singing and wearing overalls and you're like whatever fuck it I don't care. Good. Right. Yeah, but that's you know but the, but that's part of the what makes the sequel so um breathtaking to me is that it shouldn't work. This sequel shouldn't work. It's a dumb idea. It's mm-hmm. a cash grab. But everybody came back. 
And that's the thing. They Donna's dead. You get young Donna in Lily James and you think, oh, fuck, Meryl Streep's not coming back. And mm-hmm. then. Yeah. And then she does for only a couple of scenes because, you know. for Yeah. And you yeah. think at first like, oh, maybe they couldn't get her. Right. And, oh, they just got right. her for one thing. Same thing I thought with Dominic Cooper. I thought right. like, oh, they'll just get him for one for scene. For one song and then whatever. Song, and, then he, and, he, and then he shows but up But then he comes yeah, back yeah. and then Meryl comes back. Right. And that's the thing that beautiful. But then she comes back again, like in, right. the, in, in the in the credits, in the credits. and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. wow, this is yeah. like an actual plot device. This right. is a thing. It's a right. a passing of motherhood. And it's right, exactly. And so that that beautiful montage when Meryl does come back and sings, you know, my love, my life, and it's that cutting back and forth between young Donna, Lily James, giving birth to Sophie with Sophia, the troublemaking I mean, bartender, and then Sophie baptizing her son and, and Meryl is there. Meryl is Donna is singing the song. And that this is when I was like, yeah. I hope I'm not going to cry that in the movie. That was when I was crying. Right. And it's because Mike Burge is a crier. Just I'm a crier. I'm a, a cry. weeper. Yeah, I exactly. weep. I'm yeah. sympathetic. But it's I'm like, you know, and like, as, as you know, as me with my history, my mother passed away when I was 12. This, this kind of thing I'm a sucker for. This whole, the mother-daughter relationship, the passing of the torch, the, you know, like now you're a mother too, you know, and like as a celebration of womanhood that the, both of these movies are, you, you know, it's about these three men that came into Donna's life and how they affected her and how they changed her life. But then it's also about how Sophie changed her life as the daughter that came to her that she wasn't expecting. And the love of her life, the love of Donna's life is kind of Sam, but it's really her daughter. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, like the, you get a little bit of that, of that in the first movie and they really, really hammer it home in the second movie. It's like, this is a story about, Sophie and Donna. And then there's this other great stuff about chosen family and friendship and stepfathers and first love and all this shit. But it's like, it's really at the end of the day, it's about mothers and daughters. Mm -hmm. And it's just so affecting. And it's like the most judicious, beautiful use of Meryl Streep in this one song where you're just like, you weren't expecting her. You've gotten this far in the movie. Cher's arrived already. You're like, all right, Meryl. As she does. As yeah. she does. You're like, Meryl's, not, you know what, we get, Donna's dead. Do, you know, we're not going to see Meryl. And mm. then she shows up and you're just like, oh my God. You know. So, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's a very good and, movie. And uh, we've talked about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, I know that we did want to touch on a couple other things, but uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know that we were going to be able to fill the this allotted time, time with, that we needed with, with just mommy and mommy, and mommy too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I know that we did want to talk about some other things. So right. we will um, not uh, smoothly mm-hmm. uh, kind of cross into them. I mm-hmm. think we've said everything that we need to say. I think about we did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go yeah. see Mamma Mia 2. Go it. First and, the, and also watch the first one on Netflix. Yeah, it's right there. It's right there. Watch it. Then go see the sequel and understand mm-hmm. the experience. Now, and we were going to talk about jukebox musicals, which I think we we've covered enough to garner the name of this episode. Sure, but uh, for the sake of kind of uh, just talking to you about some fun stuff, sure. Uh, let's go over some other jukebox musicals. I mean, uh, so I will say I know Mamma Mia two or Mamma Mia two, the first Mamma Mia when it was a stage show that was sort of like the first. Um, the first official jukebox musical that and then, really kind of made it its thing. Like, its I thing. mean, like and then help 
and Yellow sure. Submarine and stuff sure. like that are essentially jukebox musicals that are just me. Right, but that's th- those were less, you know, and I could I could do a whole thing about the Beatles, but that's mm-hmm. I'm a musician. Well, and this yeah, is the yeah, thing yeah, too. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Uh, it's almost like the name of the episode of this episode is a little misleading because we do have a big musical episode planned. mm mm-hmm. Mhm coming up that's going to talk about stuff where some jukebox musical-esque stuff like a Tommy or The Wall is going to be in play. Um, uh, I I think like as far as like Mamma Mia goes. Right. Well, so it spawned things like Jersey Boys, which is like the story of Frankie Valli. It spawned things like, I think there was a musical just called Motown. And it was mm-hmm. just like, here's the story of Motown. And it was a lot like, of stage play. Yeah, action. it was like, here's the Jackson Five and here's, you know, Diana Ross and the Supremes. And, you know, and the appeal of these movies or movies, these musicals, I get it, is like you show up to a thing and you know that you're going to see a bunch of songs you know. Mm-hmm. And that's fun. And there's maybe a thin plot that goes along with it. But the as the, stage plays, as go. Stage plays yeah. go. But the idea of the, the concept of the jukebox musical is. You know, the plot is almost incidental. And I will say this, you know, and we're going to talk about Moulin Rouge because we have to. I mean, I think that that's the big elephant in the room. And, I, and, I, and, love and I've, been, the room. I've been saving this. I haven't said this to you outside of today. Okay. I don't like Moulin Rouge. That's fine. Okay. Bad people exist. <laughs> I'm okay with it. So, I mean, like, I, you know, I came up, I was a theater kid, whatever. Moulin Rouge was a big deal. There's a certain iteration of theater kid who, you know, we loved Rent. We loved I can already show tell tunes. why you don't we, like Yeah, Rouge. exactly. And it's it's a little too, you know, I, I stopped being a theater kid after. I turned into a film kid, which is maybe not that big of a difference. But... I'm a little too cynical. We talked about the armor earlier. I'm a little too cynical for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Baz Luhrmann, I have a love-hate relationship with. Moulin Rouge, I can appreciate what was significant about it. Um, I can appreciate the artistry behind the story. I can appreciate the music choices. Like, if we're going to talk about it as a jukebox musical, brilliant soundtrack. I will give it that. I mean, that's kind of inarguable. Yeah. Um, How they utilize all those different songs into context of the story. You know, and it's funny. I was was just visiting a friend in Boston. And Boston, you know, the thing about living in Boston is you get the Broadway previews before they end up in Broadway. So there is a Moulin Rouge stage show that is in previews in Boston that is going to end up on Broadway shortly. And she saw it. And she's like, it is fucking good. So that's something to look forward to. Moulin Rouge is a is brilliant soundtrack, brilliant casting. I will give you know, like I want to give it the credit it's due. The plot is a little too much for me because I'm a cynical, miserable, horrible person. I mean, yeah, uh, I'm not gonna comment (laughs) because we also do besides the musical when we have a Moulin Rouge episode coming Mm. up as well. So maybe let's not. Um, no, no, no. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's just that uh, Moulin Rouge to me is uh, is a very special film. Mm-hmm. I think that what Moulin Rouge does is not only uh, super risky, yes, and uh, insanely hard to nail, yes, which is kind of the same thing as risky. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it does it very well in the same way that Mamma Mia mm-hmm. two. Yes. Nails it. 
Right. And and this is where I don't like, I don't want to be the wet blanket here. Like the reason why I don't like Moulin Rouge is because I'm a cynical, horrible person who doesn't believe in love. But I do believe in love. Do you like Shakespeare? Love. I do love Shakespeare. I do believe in love. It's, you know, it's complicated. But When's the last time you watched Moulin Rouge? Mm, I want to say a couple years ago. Couple? Yeah. Like like two or three years ago, you watched yeah. a movie that you really don't like? I watched it with somebody who really wanted to watch it. Oof, and you didn't like it? I, I mean, I didn't like it when I first saw it. Right. And I went, went in there and I was like, nope, still don't like it. <laughs> but, but, but. But you're bringing it up, and That's there's going so to be a, there's going to be, too, a, but I, I think that. But, there, but, but you're saying there's going to be a future Moulin Rouge podcast, yeah. and I will revisit it so that I can appreciate the podcast when it happens. Mm-hmm. And people change, and people grow, and things happen. And I want to be. I it's not be a perfect okay. movie, and neither is Mamma Mia too. No, it's not. But, no, no, no. And I and I don't want to say it's a bad movie. I'm saying this is about personal taste and personal aesthetic. And I also want to yes. say that you know we're talking about a movie that you know when I first saw it. Which was like when I was like, what? When did it first come out? Moulin Rouge. Yeah, probably like two thousand three. Okay, so I was very young. I was like twenty one, twenty two. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, I've changed. It's been a decade plus, fifteen years. We're talking fifteen years, right? So you know, I might revisit it and feel differently now, given my life experience as a cynical person when Who, I was. Who'd young. you watch it with a couple years ago? I watched it with a friend of mine. This is a funny story. A friend of mine who, it's not the same friend, but this is the experience I had. Long time ago when Titanic was in theaters and it was a big fucking deal. I was like Mm -hmm. 12. I had a friend who had seen it in the theater like 10 or 11 times. And I was resisting seeing it because even at age 12, I was like cynical and I was like, whatever, fuck it. Everyone likes that movie. This movie's bullshit. I don't give a shit. Whatever. Leo DiCaprio is stupid. Whatever. Fuck Titanic. I'm a cynical 12 year old. Sounds cool. Yeah. I was a really cool 12 year old. You sound like a really cool 12 year old. (laughs) So this friend of mine, this is not the same friend, but I'm saying it was a similar circumstance. This friend of mine finally dragged me to see it and she had the movie memorized. And I went there to see Titanic and she started crying like 10 minutes into the movie, anticipating the sad ending and was like throwing Kleenex into my lap. And I was like, I was like, what the fuck? I cry within the first 10 seconds of Titanic. Right. As soon as it's like all that, like kind of like old footage yeah. and like that kind of Celine Dion like hum and yeah, the, yeah 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 the, I just go but, oh, I'm, but I'm, going, I'm going somewhere with this that I think will make you happy is I, I saw that in the theater with her and I was like what the fuck and she's throwing Kleenex at me and fuck this shit um, bullshit and then years later on my own it was like on TBS or something and I watched it and I realized two things number one the movie is a brilliant action movie when the iceberg hits through the end brilliant action you, movie you are not wrong like that's... and i appreciate the movie for that and then i was like okay knowing that that's what happens in the last three quarters of the movie it's a classic chick dick i'm <laughs> i'm willing chick dick film chick Sorry. dick film that's brilliant say chick dick chick, from now on chick, Just chick, chick dick film. Dick. <laughs> knowing that that was coming i was more willing to open my heart to the stupider aspects of the plot that leads to the iceberg Okay. I was like, okay, this is a bullshit romantic story. It's not written well. I'm sorry, James Cameron. You're not a good screenwriter. It's bullshit. But Leo is impossibly young, and he's grown into a phenomenal actor. Kate Winslet is impossibly young. She's grown into a phenomenal actress. Billy Crudup is the bad guy. 
Crudup? Crudup? How do you pronounce his name? Billy Zane. Billy Zane? Bad guy. Who's Billy Crudup? Billy Crudup is the dude from like Big Fish and like, I don't know. Oh, like whatever. I'm, an, I'm, no, I'm an asshole. Never mind. Billy Zane. Billy Crudup as Billy Zane's character in Titanic okay, would well, be amazing. You know, like, all right. It doesn't matter. Billy Zane. They look very similar. And, but Billy Zane was a great bad guy. He's a great bad guy. You've got Kathy Bates. When he flips that table. Oh, yeah. That was like yeah. 1996, 7, like me was like what's domestic violence? I don't right. know about this. And right. it kind of like shocked me. So the story I'm telling is I revisited the movie on my own later Titanic and I grew to appreciate it for what it is. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine wanted to rewatch Moulin Rouge and I was still the cynical whatever. And I was like, ah, this is bullshit, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm willing to watch it again now on my own and open my heart to the idea that maybe it's better than I remember it being, or maybe I've grown enough that I can appreciate it in a way that the cynical younger version of me didn't. So I'm not trying mm-hmm. to hurt your heart. No, no, no. And it's fine. It's actually good that you brought up Titanic too, because what did we do before we, we, we started recording we watched this? A, um, we watched a mini jukebox musical mm-hmm. on the Late Late Show with James Corden featuring Ariana Grande, who we both realized we're secretly fans of, even though we're both too uh, old. She's boss as fuck. Yeah. Yep. And she's a Boss she's got AF. a brilliant voice. She's very charismatic. She does great impressions. It actually got posted yesterday. Like yeah, it was like it was so like, it fucking happened, timely. It was so timely. It's a really good like uh, version of like when you take a movie that's not a musical and you right. try to put a jukebox musical mentality to they it. They did a great it's a job. Perfect example. I heavily recommend yeah. people watch it. It's like four minutes long. Yeah, exactly. Go watch it. James Corden is adorable. Ariana Grande is fantastic. She does her Celine Dion impression at the end, which she's very good at. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, like I'm 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 open to the idea that I can revisit stuff like this mm. and be less of an asshole about it. That being Musicals said, Musicals are touchy. Yes, they are. They are especially they jukebox are. musicals. And so, so jukebox musicals. Music. So remember the other day you asked me what other jukebox musicals can you think of? And I said, look at Bride and Prejudice. And I said, I oh, don't shit. like Bride and Prejudice, but look at it. Mm-hmm. So this is this is my thing. It's like I have complicated feelings about musicals. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. But Bride and Prejudice, I gave it to you to watch. We've talked about Bollywood movies in general, and I'm I'm gonna try to get you a little bit more fluent in the the language of the Bollywood movie. Yes. And this I think is a good entry point. It is uh I I watched Bride and Prejudice last night to get ready for this podcast because I, I had like you just said, I had asked you, hey, what jukebox musical should I like check out that I probably haven't seen that you might want to bring up? Mm-hmm. And uh, as we have already stated in this episode, we've already covered enough time to be able to fill an episode. And now we're like, well, now we're just stretching it. Sure, sure. Anybody that came here for Mamma Mia, if they're still around, hi. Hi. Uh, But I watched Bride and Prejudice, which is what? like It is a fusion, international, Indian-American, British, directed by Gurinder Chadha, who directed... Uh, Bend It Like Beckham, adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, starring Aishwarya Rai, who for a while was the it girl in the Bollywood film industry. She's a former Miss World or Miss Universe. I can't remember. Beautiful woman. 
Mm-hmm. Um, was the was the thing for a while. Has the guy from Torque in it. Yes. Has Which I really liked. Yes. Has Naveen Andrews in it. I know, right? So um, you know, and it's 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 so it's it's an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. And it is, it's a very uh, straightforward in phenomenal. some ways. And it's it's and I'm glad you liked Made it. Made in two thousand four. Yes. Very important. Yes. It is uh almost 15 years old yes it is i had a great time watching i'll put it. it out there the reason why i don't like it isn't because i'm an asshole although i am an asshole it's because i don't like aishwarya rye but that's my own personal whatever and we were talking about that earlier too is like yeah. the one if i had to say one thing negatively about my experience watching it is mm-hmm. that i found the quote-unquote elizabeth character of pride and prejudice mm-hmm uh, which I think her name is uh, Layla. It's like something, so, yeah, like, something that. like that. It, it, I found her to be a little standoffish physically, mm-hmm. where it's like I'm looking at her and I'm like, I don't know if I want to like this person, right? Because they're almost like too pretty, but like kind of fake pretty. Yes. You know, like yes. you're looking at them and you're like, I and feel has, like there's I'll, shit on I'll there. I'll put it out there. She's not a great actress. And I, I want to say, I don't know if there are any Indian Bollywood aficionados who listen to the Story Screen podcast. If there are, hi. If they are, hi. And if they are, um, you hate me now because I'm saying I don't like Aishwarya Rai. I mean, is she like... What is she to like? The, so she was, the Indian, you know, the, the thing is she was, culture, she was like, a, she was a big phenomenon because she's yeah, like, is she's, she Nicole Kidman or is she like? She's uh, like Julia Roberts. She's the, they they used oh. to call her the most beautiful woman in the world, and it, that's that's complicated. And this is a road maybe we don't want to go down, but like she's beautiful. She's, well, this sounds like a separate podcast. It is. to have. Yeah, it's like you know, but she's she's fair skinned for an Indian person, and there's complicated colorism reasons why people think she's beautiful because of that. She's not not beautiful. I don't want to say that she's ugly. That's not what I'm trying to say. I don't think she's a great actor. I mean, she's definitely not ugly. No, she's yeah. not. She's not a great actor. But for a while, it looked like she was trying to be a crossover star. There were rumors that she was going to be a Bond girl. It didn't happen. But it looked like for a while with this movie, it looked like she was trying to make an effort to be a crossover performer. And it didn't quite happen. Right now, I would say that Priyanka Chopra, who was on Quantico on ABC for a while, got canceled recently, which is okay. It was a bonkers show. Wasn't going to last. But she is she successfully crossed over. She's a big star in India. And she came over here, had a hit TV show for a while, was a guest at the Royal Prince Harry, Meghan Markle wedding. She's like besties with Meghan Markle. She's engaged to Nick Jonas right now. So like whatever that is. Jesus. So, yeah, I know. I know. It's, that's a whole whatever. But she, you know, she's succeeded in that whole crossover concept. She's also a former beauty queen. She would be cool as a Bond girl. But I'm just saying, you know, like, but that's, you know, 10 plus years on from when everyone was saying that about Aishwarya Rai. Um, I don't think Aishwarya Rai is a great actress, but I think for the character that she was playing in that adaptation, it's probably okay that she's not because she's supposed to be a little standoffish. She's supposed to be a little difficult to like. I was talking to you, we were talking about this earlier, that that's why I like it. Cause like, yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of the story of Pride and Prejudice. I've yes. never read the book. 
I've never seen the the big BBC the famous, miniseries the, with Colin the, Firth. The launch of Colin Firth. Yeah, into I, the and I need to. Yeah, not a big fan of the the Kira Knightley one, which yeah. bend it like Beckham. I know. Play. There's like a little full like circle a, thing yeah. going on it's here. Really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But this is. Uh, I think that the. Like the, the idea of like the old hierarchy of like, oh, marry your daughters off to be able to gain profit and land and There's stuff like that. There's a clear parallel it, to it, the traditional notion really, of Indian Amer- arranged marriage. It's really cool. And I don't need to it's, explain it to yeah, anybody no, with half a, a brain. There's a yeah. very clear parallel there. Um, you know, and, and that's cool. That's cool that they found an organic way to bring that into the story. It's not shoehorned in there. It's a logical it is, thing. Like that's the whole thing is that it's so organic that it's like. It's almost as if like uh like 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 an Indian director d- decided to make Pride and Prejudice now mm-hmm. it like in 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 modern times mm-hmm. and didn't even have to try yes. and make it yes fixate because that, on that because those institutions still exist. It's amazing. Yeah. It's really cool. It's topical. Right. It uh, like kind of charged my battery a little bit. Yeah. When I was watching, I was like, wow, like this is like energetic cuz right. one thing about like Bollywood or like mm-hmm. Hindi uh film is there's a lot of colors mm-hmm. going on and sound is very important. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very uh, it's a it's sonic a experience, yeah. Type of yeah. filmmaking, yeah. So that you know, so so as a jukebox musical, *Bride and Prejudice* is that in a roundabout way, it uses songs that were contemporary pop songs on Indian radio. Mm-hmm. So it is a jukebox, which musical. I was getting confused. Yeah, about, exactly. Because I was exactly. watching it and I was like, "Well, I've never heard these songs before," because but they existed, right? Yeah. I mean, it, I won't lie. Some of the songs are original. I don't want to say that it was entirely 100% oh, no, absolutely, musical, yeah. but there was enough of that in there. Even Moulin Rouge had one Come original what song. Come may. on, May. I remember Come that. So, yeah, exactly. May. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, you know, like it's, it's the concept of the jukebox musical is, is fascinating because it asks you to recontextualize songs that you already know totally. in the concept of the story. And Absolutely. this is Mamma Mia, the original did that pretty well. Mamma Mia 2 does it better because it's asking you to look at lesser known ABBA songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the whole, like, if you want to boil down what is appealing about a jukebox musical, it's that it's asking you to think about songs you already know, but apply them to a story. And if you do it well, you get a Mamma Mia too. And if you do it badly, you get a Moulin Rouge. No, I don't want to make you feel that way. I mean, that's kind of how you're... A little bit. But I don't want to... You love it. I don't want to like... You get a Mamma Mia? Yeah. Maybe. Mamma Mia, maybe. Do that instead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that's what, you know... Naveen Andrews, though, in Bride and Prejudice. Dude, like, he's like the sexiest He really is. It really. I was is. about to close us off real quick, but you know what? We uh, we got five minutes. We yeah. got five minutes real quick. Let Let's talk about what everybody's here for. Is it, you and me talking about James Bond? It's, me, it's, it's Mike and Maria <laughs> talking about James Bond drunk. Uh, James Bond is really cool. Man. He's a really he's cool so guy. Cool. Sexy. He's really neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, how old are you, Maria? I am thirty three. You're 33. I am 32. Do you know how old Sean Connery was in Dr. No, the first James Bond movie? I do not, actually. He was 32. What? Doesn't that fuck you up? What? Fucks you up. I right? failed at life. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks. 
I've been asking people that question. They're like, yeah, he's like 43, right? And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Mm -mm. He does. Granted, Uh. he looks very old (laughs) when he first showed up. Well, yeah, I mean. Sean Connery has always looked like he's in his 50s. Yes, that's. But and but that's part of the appeal, Um, weirdly. But yes. All right. So real quick, uh, we're going to we're going to top ourselves. We're going to. We're going to cut ourselves off. We have five minutes. We have five minutes. I've got like an inch and a half of drink. Yeah. We don't have enough drinks to maintain a big bond conversation. And we probably shouldn't. And we shouldn't. At the end of this Mamma Mia. (laughs) If you were here for Mamma Mia, thank you so much for listening. Check out StoryScreenBeacon.com. You can find all of our uh, articles and reviews and stuff over there. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Story underscore Screen underscore Beacon. You can also follow us on Twitter at Story underscore Screen. Now, if you want to hear, if you want to hear me and my talk about James Bond, here we go. A lot of stuff going on right now. We already know that Daniel Craig is playing Bond in Bond 25. One more time. Because of course he is. Because of course he is. He's not going to just hand off 25 to somebody else. No. 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 And we've got Danny Boyle, which (gasps) you didn't know about. I didn't until until you told me. I know. I know. And I'm like, now I'm like, oh my God. Danny Boyle is directing the fuck out of it. Yeah. We got Daniel Craig returning, Mm. probably going to land in 2020, which means that the big question here and the more interesting Mm -hmm. thing to talk about is who's going to be the next Bond? So if if 2020, mm-hmm. 2021 is our next Bond movie, Bond 25, mm-hmm. that means that roughly 2022, 2023 is when we'll get our, our next, next bond. who that Bond is. So we're yes. talking a four or five year thing. Yes. Everybody's talking about Idris Elba. They've been talking about him for years. I say... We've talked about this. It's there's been too much conversation about I him. I say, I say, pishy caca. <laughs> He's too old. The He's, boy's old. The, boy the boy's is old. old. Well, and then also, like we said before, there's been so much conversation about him taking the role, so much rumor mongering, so much fantasy casting mm. that if they gave it to him, that conversation would overshadow the movie. At that point, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, as well, I love him. I love him. Here's a a very basic thing. I wouldn't boycott the franchise if they picked him. Roger Moore was one year older than how old Idris Elba is right now when Roger Moore did Live or Let Die in the beginning. Okay. Idris Elba is not going to make a bomb movie within the next year. So that will make him the all this yes. Bond. Is that a bad thing? No. I don't know. I mean, it's not a bad thing because I think the re- most recent Bond films have been a little bit about how James is getting old. Right. And I like the idea of reinvigorating it. Yes. With something else. Right. And that, I mean, that's why Casino Royale was great because it was the reboot. So, I mean, and right. we've covered this territory Daniel before. Craig was Daniel not Craig. that young too when no, he did that. Exactly. We've gotten exactly. four out of him. It's yeah. like, but Roger Moore, I think he was like 46 or so mm-hmm. when he did the How first one. How old is Idris Elba right now? I believe he's 47. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. It's it's give or take. It's it's pushing it. Look, we're not getting the next Bond movie for another four or five years. Yeah. Four years being polite. Yeah. So 
47-year-old Idris Elba is going to be 51. Yeah, no, 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 no. I see what These movies nah. are not made at the same tandem as they were before. When Roger nah. Moore came in at 46, they were making these movies every two years on the two years. Yeah. So he got himself in like eight Bond movies. He's yeah. He has the he most has the Bond He's the longest running Bond, right. yes, yeah. But there's definitely a point in there when you get to like Octopussy where or For Your like, Eyes Only you're where like, you're like, dude. Yo, dude, you're in your 60s. What the yeah. fuck are you talking about? Yeah, like stop. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. I don't with want with the first Bond to like be that. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. Where are we totally at here? All right, we got another two and a half minutes. All right. No, I agree with you. Uh, so, so... Who do you want to be the next Bond? Okay, real quick, to just get it out there and allow the conversations to happen. I have three picks. You do. I have one. I have I have two for representation mm-hmm. uh, funness. Yes. As I like to call it. The yes. Rep, the funness of representation. The funness of representation. <laughs> Creating equality between people and gender. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I have one like kind of a standard, which I think, would be just enough that it's cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got, uh, I want, uh, if you're going to pick a person of color, mm-hmm. give me that Naveen Andrews, mm-hmm. baby. I will be honest though. He's 49. I don't care. You don't care. You'll let it's it happen. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing with Idris Elba. It's just that, can we be fair? Naveen Andrews is 49. Idris Elba is 47. Mm-hmm. Who looks younger? Oh, no, I see what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? I do see what you're saying. I think that he could handle Naveen it. Naveen is so dashing. It's like, I'd if we're going to go for person of color, yeah. I'd rather go fucking wacky yeah. out there. Like, yeah. no, that's actually really Because in Indian Bond, black 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 wacky yeah, enough. Exactly. Yeah. No, 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 I see what you're saying. No, and I, I, I agree. Be he's really so, interesting. Well, and like, he's got the Bond personality. He's got it. He's, he's dashing. And he's still technically kind of just like getting yeah. warmed up. I guess it's, that's a little bit of my, my own personal ego. Just kind of like, well, right. well, they gotta be British. Right. And, and then you have like the certain other things again there. So he's my guilty pleasure. I'd rather, if oh, you're a person like, of color, I'd they, rather have Naveen Andrews than Idris Elba. I will be with you on that. I okay. agree. The other ones that I have, just to get them out so you can get yours out, yeah. is, uh, Again, British. Yeah. Young. Yeah. Dan Stevens <gasps> is my easy go. He's uh, my easy go to. Let's bring this full circle. We're talking about Downton Abbey earlier with Lily James. Mm-hmm. Dan Stevens was Matthew Crawley on Downton mm-hmm. Abbey. You get that motherfucker five more years from now. Oh, he'll Legion's be Legion's over. Yeah. He's still got... And the big thing about James Bond is like new Bonds are usually... Slightly unknown, but they've always done something that yeah. kind of... No, and he would, he's he got the look. He's got the attitude. He... Um, no, I'm with you on yeah, that. Yeah, like Pierce Brosnan was in Remington Steel. Come in full circle again with this Pierce Brosnan menace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. S.O.S. Uh, and uh, Daniel Craig was in Layer Cake. He's yeah. got a gun. Yeah. And uh, we talked about this briefly on the Mission Impossible podcast that mm-hmm. was just posted before this episode, too. So it's kind of funny that I'm repeating it. I'm kind of getting like a deja vu of like, didn't mm-hmm. I already talk about this on the mic? Um, but I think that Dan Stevens, given five years from now, you know, he's got The Guest. He's got Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. So he's got he's got charm and romance and he's got some action yeah. in his pocket. And he'll, you know, in five years, he will have... 
he will be 40. He will be 40 and he will, Perfect that's a great age. age. Perfect and age. And he will, you know, he looks great now. He's like our age now, isn't he? Good, a little bit older than us. A little bit older than us. A couple years, but yeah, he's, he's like, like. But he'll, he'll be at the right the, age and he will, his face will have, you know, it's like he won't be impossibly young looking. Right. He will look but like he's a guy who's like been in the very, field for I, a while. I, I've, been t- I've been throwing his name at some friends mm-hmm. and they're like, no, 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 no. You got to get somebody a little bit meatier. Than him, and I was like, "No, nah. that's a new thing. That's Craig's thing." Yeah. Before Craig, it was all slim, slim, and posh. a person that looks yeah. like a like that that doesn't look like a spy. Yeah, exactly. Like Daniel Craig walks into a room, and that guy is beefed up. He's he's a brute. Yeah, it's like yeah. in True Lies. Like you honestly expect me to believe that Arnold Schwarzenegger is not a spy. Right. That guy. Right. Jamie Lee Curtis. Harry. Oh, no. He just... (laughs) Dude, the guy looks like he spends at least four hours a day in a fucking weight room. Yeah. I want a nice slim, slender... Yeah. Which leads me to my next one and my number one choice. Mm -hmm. I want... Emily Blunt, you know, you know, I think Emily that Blunt is James Bond. But we talked about this. Emily Blunt only if they don't make her a lesbian. Yes, that's very important. She I mean, needs to be. She look, needs to be the kind of Bond who fucks with men the way James men. Bond fucks with women. Yes, I want that. If they make her a lesbian, I will be upset because it's easy. It's so easy. It's easy. It's like oh, then we can still have Bond girls. Where's the box? Where's, Where's the, the box? Find Where's the box. box. I don't know where it is. Fuck it. I'm yeah, on the box. You want a Bond guy. Yeah. I want to see Emily Blunt well, no, like this fucking is, no, this with is Tom fun. Let's Hardy. go down this road. Yeah, exactly. Hire Tom Hardy exactly. as the Bond guy. As the Bond guy. guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you there. What do you got? Who do you want? Well, you <laughs> we know. Got only 30 uh, we got only 30 seconds. Uh, <laughs> we're actually over. We're so. over. No, it's fine. Uh, you know, I, you mentioned Dan Stevens earlier, and I think he would be great. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I don't know. I don't know if I've thought about this enough because I've I, when I think about James Bond, I do a lot of research into who they've considered to be James Bond, mm-hmm. and you know, like they they considered Hugh Grant, they considered Colin Firth, they got Pierce Brosnan, um, they considered Liam Neeson. Like, who is the young Liam Neeson right now? That's my question. Dan Stevens. Then maybe, or Dan I guess the guy that played Liam Neeson's character in Taken. Yeah, which, fuck it, whatever. Who cares? I mean, you know, so that's. The, uh, we, I get would, so, we get so mean by the I know, it's just We're so polite to everybody. Yeah, and then we're like, we're like, fuck that guy. Um, I mean, like, Naveen Andrews, I would love to see him in that role, but I feel like if it was a decade earlier, it would work better. I think we're, see, we're working up against the age thing. The so age of Idris Elba being 47 and Naveen Andrews being 49 yeah. is, I find Naveen Andrews... As a person of color, mm-hmm. being cast as Bond, way more interesting than Idris Elba as a person. Of so color I'm gonna being go. Cast. I'm gonna go down a weird road because we talked about Dev Patel, and you talked about maybe Dev Patel is the villain. Mm-hmm. I'm saying he make a great Bond. I'm villain. saying maybe Dev Patel is Bond. Sure. Yeah. Because we've got you, you know he's he's he's, he's young. Tall he's enough. tall. He's younger. He got beefed up for Lion, which you I need to see when you're ready to cry. Got- but he doesn't need to get beefed up. We talked about we don't need a beefy bomb. No, 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 bomb not beef. I, like, I'm more know? thinking like the like he's got a certain a way of charm. Yeah. But I think that everybody that I named Naveen Andrews, <sighs> Emily Blunt, Dan Stevens, they've got charm on the download. What do you got? I got so here's my generic white guy pick for Bond. Oh, give it to me. Jamie. I love white people. <laughs> Jamie Bell. 
Billy Elliot, Jamie Bell. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's grown into a fine young man. And, you know, he's just that much under the radar. Yeah, that it wouldn't of be. Of, like, popular culture. That, that they, if they gave it to him, it wouldn't be like, so a, look, oh, my God. Tom, you know? Tom Hardy's not getting too it. Too easy. Michael Fassbender's not getting too it. Too easy. Too easy, too popular. Although, yeah. I will be cool with Michael Fassbender being Bond as long as Steve McQueen directs. Fair enough. So I'm going to go on the record. I'm going to say Dev Patel as my under the radar if you want to cast a non-white person. I dig that. I think that's an interesting choice. I'm going to say for white guy, although I'm with you with Dan Stevens, I'm going to say Jamie Bell. Yeah, Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell would be Interesting. I'd be excited to see that movie. Yeah. Because I'll be honest, I don't think I've really seen Jamie Bell in anything since Billy Elliot, which maybe means I've not stayed in touch. He was he he's voiced fucked around. He's yeah. voiced Tintin in the animated Tintin. He played the is, Thing in Fantastic Four. He did. Yes, uh, I, now I remember that. He's re, he was recently just this year in um, what was it? Film stars don't die in name of British city or something like that. <laughs> I can't remember. Right. Uh, uh, movie looks really good. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, I think he would be great. I think, I think he would be great. He would be a little bit of a sentimental favorite because, by the way, Billy Elliot is a fantastic movie. Jamie Bell is amazing. Yeah. And Billy Elliot is a great movie. Yeah. And I think that he would be a very good choice mm-hmm. for Bond. But I, I... I think Dan Stevens should be our front runner. I don't... Like, I, I probably Assuming have, they're going to go with a white guy. I probably have the same feelings about Jamie Bell as I do about Dan Stevens, where it's like, give him a couple more years and mm-hmm. maybe go for it. Uh, but Jamie Bell is also like that kind of Michael J. Fox yeah. kind of thing that we were talking about, I think, off mic before, where it's like, mm-hmm. he's not really aging. No. Like, he's... Uh, no. and 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 that might be good for mm-hmm. a Bond, or it might be bad. Mm-hmm. Interesting conversation. Yeah. What about Lady Bomb? What do you got? You got your person of color? You got your white? I got my white guy. Lady Bond. Come on, man. Lady Bond. I mean, Emily Blunt is just like... Saoirse Ronan. Yo. I love her. She is... Yo, are you serious? Saoirse Ronan. Think about that. She's a little popular. Think about that. No, but think about her in five years. Right. When she's, you know, when she's not like the fresh uh-huh, face uh-huh, ingenue, uh-huh, when she's yeah. a little, she's a little, uh, she's a little cooler. She's a little more jaded. She's a little, she'll be our age. Five years from now, she'll I be mean, our age. I mean, she's kind of really well known. Yes. I mean, it would be. Which is a big one yeah, for me. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah, don't yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't like well known, which is kind of why Idris yeah. Elba gets yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, like, no, no, I agree Naveen with you. Andrews is known on like certain scales. Yeah, yeah. Uh. But she is ballsy as fuck. And she is talented. Not British, though. No, but Pierce Brosnan wasn't British. Enough. He's Irish. Enough. Sarah Sharonin is Irish. Enough. I know, but I'm just saying. Yeah. I guess you're right in that spot. Good. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. They announced that and I'd be like, holy oh, shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're not boycotting this franchise, no matter who they pick, unless yeah. they pick like. I'm gonna be writing about atonement. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, oh, hold yeah, on yeah, a fucking yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. was trying to figure out the other day, uh, we uh, with a uh, with a friend of mine, you know Cabot, you know Cabot. I do. My friend Cabot. Uh, we were trying to talk about, um, 
uh, that movie where James McAvoy and Kira Knightley fall in love. Atonement. And we couldn't remember the name of it. But I was like, that's the one that Lady Bird's What about in. James McAvoy as James Bond? Too well known. Too well known. Same thing. Same thing. Look, don't get me wrong. Get Hugh Jackman in there. I don't care. No, no, I don't no, care no, how no, old no. he is or how well known he is. He would fuck that He's shit. He's too up. Australian. I don't care. Okay, fine. No, I wouldn't boycott the franchise, but I'd be a little mad. What about Dave Bautista? I'd be really mad. Zoe said, said Saldana. Mm-hmm. I would be mm-hmm. less mad. That's interesting because that's where you got the woman and you got mm-hmm. the person of color. She's cool. I like her. A black woman. A black woman. Viola Davis. Viola Davis is Bond. <gasps> Viola this. Davis is M. Oh, yes. Holy shit. We've cast Did it. Did you just like get on that? Yes. Whoever's making the next Bond movie after Craig, Viola Davis has M. Holy shit. We just did it for you. Viola Davis as M, Michael Rooker as James Bond. <laughs> okay, that's the end of this. We've gone on long enough. We've gone on long enough. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We've already given all of our plugs and stuff like that. Go on our website, buy a fucking t-shirt. Uh, make sure if you live in the Beacon area, definitely go to Stock Up and get yourself a sandwich. Stop by Quinn's and get yourself a beer. And if you're really looking for some awesome wine beer, head on down to Hudson Valley Brewery. Our our beautiful, beautiful, beautiful friends and partners over there are uh, making some of the best stuff that you ever had. It will blow your mind. It will. Uh, Rhea, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Bert, for having me. do another James Bond episode. Obviously, we have we to. We have to, because we're just like, This is all we can talk about. <laughs> uh, and we will also be having uh, some more episodes coming up. Uh, stay tuned. We have our Quentin Tarantino uh, podcast miniseries coming up real soon that is going to be a lot of fun. We've also got a Strong Women podcast coming up. Dude. It's going to be really good. Do you want to? Do we, do we want to tease it right now? Tell them what the movies are. If the they've made are, it this far. The movies are, we're going to be talking about Dirty Dancing. We're going to be talking about Ever After. We're going to be talking about Clueless. And we're going to be talking about When Harry Met Sally. All in episode three of Strong Women Podcast, where we are discussing strong women in romantic films. Gonna it's going to be, be amazing. Fun. We got Bernadette Gorman White and uh, Stamper mm-hmm. coming on with us. And I'll be here be too. And I will not talk about James Bond. I might talk about James we Bond. We will talk about James Bond. <laughs> We're going to talk about James Bond. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye bye. Sound check mic. Sound check mic. Uh, sound check mic. Sound check Rhea. Sound check Rhea. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about the microphone. Sound check Rhea. Classic <laughs> mistake. Mm. All right, yeah, that's good.